Hey guys, welcome to the Hey DJ Show. I'm your host, DJ Jimenez. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. If you're over on YouTube, please go ahead and hit that like button, subscribe for more content. Remember, you can catch this podcast on the go wherever you get your podcasts. And do consider following me on every social media platform at Hey DJ Show. With all that boring stuff out of the way, I am really happy to introduce my next guest, my last day zero, Eddie Kamano. Eddie, how are you, man? Good. How you doing, man? Dude, finally. Finally. It only took a year. Only took a year. I but mean, here you are. It's worth the wait, you know? <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> but uh uh Eddie, uh, so those who don't know, um, Eddie and I, we've known each other for a long time. Uh the moment I told him that uh hey, I'm gonna be doing a podcast. Uh, he's known in our friends group as the sound guy. And he was like, I'm going to make you an intro and outro, pick three music, uh, three songs that you like, and I'm, I'm going to try to come up with an original. So Eddie, you're the, you know, you, you made the intro and outro. I love it, man. <laughs> like I, 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 I it, every single time I'm editing it, I yeah. still listen to it. I'm just like, <laughs> I love it, man. That track I didn't have bump. it downloaded on my phone. Like yeah. I love it that much. I so whenever I make a song, it has to be something that I can listen to on my own too. And when I sent it to you, even I bumped it like repeatedly for days on end just because yeah. it was so fun to listen to. Yeah. Um. I I even made an extended version for myself. That way, it's like a verse, a chorus, verse, and stuff too. Nice. I gave you the small loop to actually use, but yeah. I I kept the entire song for myself to Dang, listen to. Selfish. <laughs> it was fun. Uh. But no, I I. Dude, I love it. And and you came up with that really quickly. It only took you like a week or so. It, I, I remember you were like, give me three songs. I gave you three songs. Mm-hmm. And then it was like no time at all. I, I think it was like a week. And then you came up with it and you were like, hey, let me know what you think. And I was like, dude, don't change a thing. I love <laughs> it. Send me the file. I'm, I'm going to use it. Well, it was easy because I didn't do it myself. I had Eric help me out. Oh, nice. Yeah. So like, so shout out to you, Eric. Oh, Eric Vasquez, for sure. Shout out. You made it so much easier for me. Thank you. Um, So basically what happened was um, I asked you what kind of vibe you're going for. Mm -hmm. And you said you wanted something kind of rock, like Nirvana mixed with trap. Yeah. And that really stood out to me because I'd never made something like that before. And so then I asked Eric just to make some guitar riffs for me, like bass parts, lead parts, maybe a chorus or something. And I, I gave him like a few song ideas, the same ones I sent your way. And then Eric just gave me a whole bunch of recordings of stuff. I made like a little shared folder that he could drop them in and just started editing with them. And um, it made it really easy that he gave me those parts. Mm -hmm. I just kind of put it together, added a beat over it, did what I did. And it was easy at that point. I did add a few like little synths and stuff Mm -hmm. in the in the chorus because you wanted more of a trap sound. Yeah. But all those guitar parts, that was all Eric. man. Dude, that's awesome. I did not know that. (laughs) Yeah, it was even more special now. But uh, anyways, uh, I forgot. Cheers. Oh, hell yeah. Finally to have you on. Dude, I've been wanting to. I forget. Mm-hmm. I've been watching um, one of my favorite comedy shows ever is called Letterkenny. Mm-hmm. And whenever they drink, they always put it on the cup afterwards and they go twice. Twice. So they drink and they go, ah, ah, and they put it away. Oh, a reverse kind of. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But um, it's my favorite show of all time, like letter, like like the letter in the alphabet, and mm-hmm. then Kenny, like from South Park. So letter Kenny. What's that about? So it's about um, a small town in Canada. And like the intro says, letter Kenny is a town of 5,000 people. These are their problems. <laughs> it's one of those shows where it's entirely about the dialogue. You almost have to watch it with subtitles because of how fast they talk. And it's all about the banter. 
Um, anyone who's interested in shows kind of like The Office, where it's really more about the dialogue in some episodes. Yeah, The Office gets into like some hijinks and stuff, but mm-hmm. those episodes that are where are like really dialogue heavy, then Letterkenny is definitely like the show for you. Nice. It's one of my favorite shows, if not my favorite comedy show of all time. What's it on? It's on Hulu. Oh, I got Hulu. Perfect. Yeah. Okay, I'll, I'll check it out. They're on season 10 now. Damn. Oh, man. I, and I've never <laughs> heard of this. Yeah. It started on like a channel called Crave TV mm-hmm. and then Hulu. Usually, like, I'll at least, like, pop culture wise, like, even though I don't watch everything or listen to everything, I'll at least know it. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, hey, have you heard of this? Yeah, I have heard of it. Do you yeah. watch it now? It's really big in Canada. So it's like one uh, of those, like here in America, if you were to say, have you heard of The Office or Parks and Rec? Everyone's like, yeah, even yeah. if they haven't watched all the way through. So you it's, think it's like their office kind of? Yeah. Like like if you were to, to talk to anybody that's probably from Canada and you ask them, have you heard of Letterkenny? They'd be like, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> like it's a staple. Yeah. Okay. I gotta but check it out though. It's hilarious. It, it's, it's one of those shows you can't really have in the background. You have to like really focus on oh, it. Oh, you gotta watch it. Otherwise you'll miss what they're saying because they talk so fast. Well, and... I, the only time i like to have something in the background is if i've already seen it mm. there are people that will put things in the background and then they never seen it and they're like oh i'll start watching it when it catches my interest and i'm like every information is important yeah like some visual stuff like you're missing it <laughs> yeah one of my cousins he's so bad at that like he'll be like uh when especially when he watch watches anime Mm. you know mm-hmm. sometimes anime you have to see mm-hmm. what's going on like they're not going to say anything and there's yep. like a hint I'm like, dude, you're you're missing it. Like, and he's all like, oh, what? Two things I don't understand. I don't understand people who need the TV to fall asleep. And I don't understand people who play the TV in the background while they're doing other things. Okay. Sorry. I don't, I I don't, I I don't understand it. Kinda. I don't understand it. Okay. Wait, wait. Like, uh, I don't do, mm, I don't do that as much anymore because now, uh, uh, I literally have my beats in. 90% 90% of the day mm-hmm. and I have my stand with my phone. So, uh, like I'll listen, I'll watch slash listen to a podcast or a YouTube video while I'm like doing the oh, dishes yeah. or cooking. Mm-hmm. So like every now and then I'll look and then I'm just like, like that. Yeah. Now, I, now with the TV. Yeah. I only actually only turn on the TV when I'm like actually playing something on like the PlayStation or on the switch. Mm-hmm. So yeah, never mind. I, I, I was going to disagree, but ne- then never mind. I was like, I used to do used that. used to do that. I used to do that. Not anymore. See, it's people like that, like you, that are the reason. <laughs> There's a reason why Netflix made that whole, are you still watching? Okay, thing? no. First off, screw them for that. Like, honestly. Like, you think I got my life all figured out in three hours? Come on. Keep the show. Let keep me it going. dwell. But, yeah. It also just makes you feel terrible where you're like, actually, I have been watching this for the last four hours. Thank yeah. you for reminding me. Yeah, because I think it's like three or four hours. It's one of them. Yeah. And then it's like, are you still watching? And then it makes you go like, man, what am I doing with my life? Right? Yeah. Thanks for that wake-up reminder that I'm a terrible person today. Thanks, Netflix. Hulu's life. We don't care. They hey, just let that going. shit run. Yeah. Uh, I remember I did that. I was watching Scrubs, and I was like on like one season, and then uh, each season is like 20 episodes. Mm-hmm. And before I knew it, it was already on the other season. I was like... You, and I actually took a nap and because uh, I was like doing homework and I was like, man, I need a nap. And I thought I turned it off. I guess I didn't. And it was, <laughs> I woke up and I was like, what happened? You were on season three by the time you woke up. Yeah. I was just like, oh, man, what am I doing? At that point, that wasn't a nap. You just went to bed I can't, during the day. I can't do uh, the shortest nap I can do is maybe maybe an hour. Mm-hmm. God, I, when I take a nap, I go to sleep. 
basically. Yeah, you just went to bed in the middle of the day. Yeah. <laughs> what about you? Can you take a nap? Uh, so when when I take a nap, it's like two and a half hours. Yeah. When I go to bed, essentially, I go to bed during the day. Um, if I were to try to take a nap and it's like an hour to an hour and a half or something, I just feel worse. Yeah. Most of the time. Um, but I don't really nap that often because uh, like there are so many critters running around in my house. Mm-hmm. Um, I got two kids and a dog now, actually. I saw that you got a dog. Yeah. A like, uh, <laughs> boy or girl? Uh, a girl. What's her name? Uh, her name is Mango. Ma- like the fruit? Like the fruit. It was Get Tori's out. idea. <laughs> oh, okay, I love Tori. I, I, I'll, I'll give her that. That's her idea. All right, she's adorable. It's actually a better name. I originally named the dog Whiskey. I'll allow it. <laughs> it was kind of catchy. It, like, it was a catchy name, but then people kept telling me, that sounds so Southern. Like, Who cares? Like, naming your... all. Well, my problem is with animals' name is mm-hmm. when they're named after food. Like I, I, I don't See, know. People, some people love that though. I know, but I'm like so against it. Really? I, 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 I don't know where it came from. I don't know where this you anger. Have some weird principles. I do. I don't know why, <laughs> dude. Okay, like uh, uh, my dog Asul, uh, that my dad like spontaneously adopted one day, and we brought him to the house as a puppy. And uh, I tell my dad the first thing I tell him was uh. All right, what's his name? Mm-hmm. And then he's like, well, at the place I adopted him, his profile said his name is Biscuit. I grabbed this dog by the face and mm-hmm. I looked him dead in the eyes and I said, your name will not be Biscuit. <laughs> it, it, I, and then when I That's meet you, it's a like, cute dog name, though. And then it's like, oh, this is Butterscotch. Oh, my God. Why? I, I, and Oatmeal. I think Oatmeal is like a disrespect. I, I, I met a horse named Oatmeal and I was like. Go die. <laughs> Have you read the Dragon Ball Super manga? No. I, I've seen them at stores. I've, I've been thinking about So there's a character it. named Oatmeal. But we'll get to that later. Back <laughs> to dog names, though. Um, so I actually like dog names that are named after food. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. I Okay, so, so I'm, I'm a newly indoctrinated... Well, I'm a newly indoctrinated dog person. Like, as of, you know, Thanksgiving. I've never really been a dog person. I had a rabbit growing up. I was like seven years old and I had a little bunny rabbit. Um, my parents and I rescued a dog from like, uh, you know, when I was a kid, I went to a, a friend's house to sleep over. I forget what grade I was in, maybe like second grade or something. Mm-hmm. And they had rescued a dog and me and that dog bonded like crazy during the sleepover. Her name nice. was Sweetie. Aww. And then um, I begged my parents to let me keep that dog. And so we did. Um, but my parents didn't know what they were doing. I didn't know what I was doing. I was a kid. My parents never really had dogs. So we didn't do the crate training. They didn't do any kind of training. Um, we left the, that dog in the garage when I went to school and they went to work and stuff. And it destroyed the garage door. No. <laughs> destroyed it and everything. So we only had that dog for about three weeks. Oh, damn. Um, that's the only time I've ever had like a, a dog growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I guess I'm, I'm a newly indoctrinated dog person. Didn't know what kind of things I liked. I d- didn't have a principle against food names for dogs. <laughs> didn't know I had a principle. Um, I don't know where it came from. I'll be honest. <laughs> Just I had to hate something that day. <laughs> you had, yeah. Your name will not be Biscuit. Your name will not be Biscuit. Wait, anyway, the dog's name is Mango. Mango. Um, and but Tori named uh, her, so like she gets a Tori pass. named. Yeah, yeah. So she gets a pass. If you or Courtney named, I have to judge a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> she named her Mango, and so b- between Tori. And Mango and my youngest daughter Leonora. Um, How's she doing? She's gonna be two in May. I've seen pictures. Courtney posted pictures. She's growing up mad fast. Oh yeah. And it, like, even though I don't have kids on my own yet, like it, 
honestly like kind of freaked me out like i never realized it and i know like i'll realize it even more when i do have kids of how fast they grow because mm-hmm. um mike and Alyssa, when they had my niece uh uh, uh olivia mm-hmm. uh it was like like i i, I saw her grow up and I babysat her when she was like six months. Mm-hmm. And then only six months later, now she's already walking. Right? And I'm like, whoa, holy crap. And <laughs> her hair is long and all that stuff. And I'm just like, dude, like that was only a year. Yeah. They grow up like insanely fast. But not only just that, they start changing little things about themselves like each week. Like they'll say something new or do like a new little behavior thing or like like they'll feel different in like a week span of like um when they want to go to bed or mm-hmm. what they're like during bedtime like leo um my mom will come by like during the weeks like just to like watch her for a day and put her to bed and stuff so she can like like you know just watch her grow and one week she'll be super cuddly and wanting my mom to like cuddle with her before she goes to bed the next week she'll be like nah just put me in bed <laughs> um and so kids change constantly man uh but between those three tori leo and mango i don't take naps <laughs> There's not enough time. <laughs> All right. Well, there you go. I I would think like, okay, I I need my, you need your naps, but you can't take your naps. Yeah. Especially like, so I'm going to start out with a, like a very controversial topic. Yes. Yeah. I hate puppies. I hate puppies. We got mango as a puppy. Mm. We got her as a puppy, you know, from a breeder and everything. Yeah. We got her at six weeks old. Mm-hmm. The cuteness wore off after the first two days. <laughs> Especially because she had to go out like every two to three hours. Mm-hmm. And oh my God, I hate puppies. I just wanted to grow up. I just want like a dog now. Yeah. Maybe a year old at, at this point. Uh, but this is the last puppy I will ever get. <laughs> Fucking hate puppies. <laughs> Fuck puppies. Okay. That is so controversial. <laughs> well, I, I, I love puppies. Like I. Have you had a puppy? Yeah. Except uh, uh, Bruce and Asul. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, Bruce was like. I, I can't remember. Definitely a couple of months old. Like he was on the last puppy stage, mm. and then he 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 grew. But he he was a see that's different because Mango now is already on her last puppy stage. Like she's mm-hmm. on twelve, thirteen weeks now. Yeah, but that's very different. Like six to eight weeks. Yeah, when they physically can't hold it in, or they have to go out every two hours. Mm-hmm. Like I'm talking that range. Like six weeks between six to twelve God, weeks. They're just so cute, <laughs> right? And then that wears off after they yip and yip and yip, and they wake you up. And I will say oh. the night times when, the, like, uh, especially when you're trying to get them to sleep by themselves, mm-hmm. uh, and and the, they're crying for you, like they don't want to be alone. That their yips will always break my heart. I'm, it's my weakness. Uh, yeah. See, you say that until the first sleepless night, and then their yips make you want to kill them. I, but see, I don't like. It makes me like wanting to like. Oh man, screw, screw! You're just always gonna sleep with me. So see, I feel like that would change if you had a puppy in your adult years, also having kids. Because, okay, okay. Because you're like, I gotta be up. Like I just got out of this infant stage with Leo. Mm-hmm. Now I forced it upon myself getting <laughs> this puppy. What made you guys get a dog though? So we actually got a couple of rabbits mm-hmm. um, because I love rabbits, and also a uh, Tori wanted a pet. Um, we actually just bought a house up in Woodstock, um, nice across Woodstock from here, uh, back in May. Um, and we wanted some pets, but we didn't know that we wanted a dog at the time. So we got some rabbits. Uh, well, it turns out Courtney is allergic to hay. Oh, so like, rabbits, like, okay. like the rabbit's hay and everything. So she, oh, she had, didn't know that. 
She didn't. That's a, she had no idea, but she had insane allergies for the longest time. And she, and she thought it was just like summer or, or like fall pollen or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like, like it was November and she started to get allergies. Oh, we're wow. like, there's no pollen right now. There's mm-hmm. something going on here. She took allergy tests and everything. Um, and that's where she got the like results back. So in showing that she's allergic to hay, different types of hay. So we're like, okay, we got to get rid of these rabbits now because her, she's essentially had insane allergies every day for like six months. Damn. Yeah. That's no way to live. Um, so we decided, why don't we get a dog now? Like I work from home full time. Courtney works from home full time. Um, we have a nice fenced in yard. Um, Tori, uh, she's 13 now. Wow. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, a good responsibility for her would be good. And so, um, that's when we decided to get the dog. Good. It's basically Courtney's allergies. <laughs> because, I mean, hay, of all things. Wow. That's uh, the most obscure reason to get a dog. Pretty like, random, it, right? It was just like, man, I'm allergic to hay. Let's get a dog. Yeah. <laughs> got to get rid of these rabbits now. Uh, but that was, that was pretty much how we did it. We're like, we got to get rid of these rabbits. And within like that day, that next day, we found a breeder with like this breed that we wanted. Uh, so we got a Vishla. Um, which is a, a hound from Hungary. Mm-hmm. And they're like really, really cuddly, loyal, friendly, um, and, but like really energetic mm-hmm. to the point like where they need a lot of exercise and stuff. I mean, they're like like one of the top hunting dogs. Nice. Um, but they don't require like a – like they're not really hyperactive, mm-hmm. but they do work a lot. So they have a lot of endurance, but they are super cuddly and needy. They have the nickname Velcro Vishla because they're always attached to you. Nice. Um, and that would be the perfect dog for Tori. Like a lap dog. Like I've always wanted like a dog dog, not mm-hmm. like a small, like little dog. But this I one's also... a medium, right? Yeah. Yeah. She'll That's be... what Bruce and I saw pretty yeah. much are. She'll be about 50 pounds, like waist high. Nice. She's a lap dog. Um, she's like the complete opposite of a guard dog. <laughs> like, she'll be scared shitless if somebody breaks into the house. <laughs> I, I, I'm that like i mean i like all dogs except for chihuahuas but i like all of they them they can die <laughs> yeah like <laughs> they're a football i will bunt them but uh yeah the lowest i'll go is a medium dog i love big dogs mm-hmm. uh i am that type of person that if you have a big dog or a medium dog and it jumps on me and you're like oh my god i'm so sorry don't say sorry yeah i was asking for it i'm like the, you see how way. i'm dressed i'm asking for it <laughs> yeah so that's me um but I, I love big dogs, especially big dogs that the majority of them think they're lap dogs, that they're small. And I love that. Yeah. I love it. My friend Jess has always had Great Danes. Mm-hmm. Have you my ever been dad, around? My dad has always wanted a Great Dane. No, I have not been knocked down by one. <laughs> but I will. I'm inviting myself to. Well, what I was going to say is they won't, like, jump on you and knock you down. They think they're they're small, like like they can just fit places, mm-hmm. but they don't act energetic like a small dog. So like a great day and we'll just kind of like, they invade your personal space like crazy, <laughs> but I won't say that they're hyperactive and knock you over, but they'll just like, like want to see what you're doing mm-hmm. and their head will like come up to your chest and they'll just be like, Hey, what's up? What's up? And yeah. That's it. Or they'll Love be like, it. okay, you're sitting. I, I want to sit here on your lap now. Yeah. It's like, you're bigger than me. What are you doing? Yep. I'm, I'm inviting that. I love it. Love it. Love it. Yeah. All right, man. So, uh, see, see, I love this. Like we're just banter like yeah. literally not even written down and whatnot i had no idea we we're gonna talk about the kids and the dog and naps. exactly that's <laughs> man see that's like okay yes there are a million of podcasts out there better than mine i get it 
but they're all better than yours <laughs> exactly <laughs> one day but <laughs> like to me when somebody like i don't mind theme podcasts and stuff like everybody to each their own you know you do you uh but the ones that i love the most are no agenda no things like yeah we're going to talk about the person we'll write a description but like then we'll just talk about whatever yeah like i i don't I don't like the feeling of being restricted, especially because mm-hmm. this is a hobby. Sure. I'm not yeah. getting paid for this. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I just want to feel free. Like, I'm already at work and school where I'm yeah. restricted. Let me not be in my hobby. Why am I going to restrict myself in my hobby? I was telling Courtney that this is, like, the perfect thing for you because you're, like, you're the most extroverted person I know. Really? Which is saying a lot coming from me. Yeah, people, I was about to say. I'm actually a bit more introverted than people think. Um the way that people define as, ex- now that you're a family man, like uh, like now that you have Leo, especially mm-hmm. like, yeah, I mean, I don't blame you, but like being a father, you kind of have to be a little bit introverted. Mm-hmm. Like you got to, you know, focus on the family. Well, even before that, like, um, oh, really? Yeah. Well, so it it really helped when I understood what the definition of like extroverted versus introverted is. Mm-hmm. And it's not so much how you socialize with people. It's more about how you recharge. Yeah. Do you prefer to be by yourself to recharge or do you prefer to like be around other people? Like I know a bunch of people who like, if they're too alone for too long, they almost like seek out other people because they don't like being by themselves. There you go. Exactly. Raising your hand. Uh, but me, I've always preferred being by myself when I wanted to recover. So I'm still a very social person. I would say I'm still more extroverted than introverted. Mm-hmm. I'm not trying to lump myself with the introverted category. Yeah. Um, but I'm more introverted than people think. Yeah. Because uh, I've always gravitated towards like um, solo sports, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, like I've, you know, done martial arts and stuff my entire life. But I've also gravitated towards like solo hobbies. Mm-hmm. So like music production, audio engineering, that kind of stuff. Yeah. I enjoy doing that by myself because to me, that's how I can be by myself in my own thoughts that's how i can recharge so i'm actually more introverted than people think i am but that being said you are definitely the most extroverted person i know i will take that trophy i'll take that. and this podcast has been cool because it gives you an idea like a a good way to communicate with people yeah but also like an excuse to like um rehash old things with old friends or even to like see reminisce yeah or or reminisce that was where i was thinking about (laughs) like to reminisce with old friends yeah and be like hey let's have a conversation and catch up on the air let me potentially find out something about you i'd never known before yeah and it's fun for you i appreciate it no like honestly uh you know uh yeah everybody can say like oh you're just trying to be the next rogan and all that stuff and like i mean there's nothing wrong with that not but like the but this this honestly if rogan never existed this is who i am like Mm -hmm. this is honestly what i want to do whether i get paid for it or not but like i i I love this and also because i lived out in atlanta for like two and a half years Mm -hmm. and i kind of got a little depressed because like like not blaming anybody the past is in the past but like a lot nobody would come out visit me they're like oh Atlanta, that's far yeah and then so i was just like when i made a whole 180 in my life and moved back here and then started the podcast and then i was uh i was like you know what it's a nice excuse to reach out to people again people Mm -hmm. i haven't seen in like 10 plus years yeah and like let's let's catch up and then it's made and it it's uh 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 created a feedback effect that i was hoping for and i'm so grateful for it was that uh now that I have a momentum that people are expecting, like, oh, yeah, DJ comes out with an episode, like, at least mm-hmm. once a week or something. Yeah. 
now I had people who I haven't uh, reached out yet, but reached out to me and was like, hey, I'd like to be on the podcast. Mm-hmm. It'd be great to catch up. And I'm like, hell yeah, let's yeah. do it. So people also just love being on camera too. Yeah. Like, um, like listen to a podcast a while. Like it was a radio lab podcast. They talked about, um, uh, I forgot his name, but the guy who first started doing the, um, like hidden camera type stuff, mm-hmm. like in the like fifties or sixties or, or something like that, where, um, they would do like pranks and they were on hidden camera and then they would reveal, Oh, like you're on hidden camera. haha. Like, like it was a big talk show right there. Or, um, like an old, it started out on the radio and then they turned it like into TV and then people loved it. Right. Yeah. So originally people were like uh, upset about what he was doing to people. Like you're like, you're filming people or, or recording them yeah. hidden mic. That's what it was before it was on camera. It was a hidden mic and he would like interview people or, or put himself in like a really uncomfortable situation <laughs> with people just to get their reaction on can or on, on, on like, mic on the mic. That's what it was hidden mic. And then, um, People were kind of upset about it when they listened to the radio. They were like, he, he's recording people without them knowing. And then um, he started to interview them without them knowing. And then say, and then like he would end up asking them, so you've been on hidden mic this whole time. Do you want me to keep it? And they're like, yeah, actually. So people that are, uh, God, I forgot the point I was trying to get to that. Most people enjoy be on being podcast. on camera or being recorded, even though they say that they won't. If you yeah. put a mic in their face or put a camera in their face, most people will kind of want to be part of it and kind of start enjoying themselves and yeah. just be like, actually, yeah, that is kind of fun. That reminds me, uh, uh, I forgot who did the study, but it was, I want to say it was in 2016, 2018, somewhere around there, like not too long ago. Uh, people are not, like there's majority of people nowadays are not camera shy. Mm-hmm. There used to be a time and uh, a place where uh, it was literally right before smartphones, mm. like if, if the digital cameras and stuff. If you mm-hmm. saw people with digital cameras, there would be people who like literally do mm-hmm. this and stuff like they didn't want to be on camera. Mm-hmm. But now, like if you turn on selfie, like even a complete strangers, we'll people like, are hey. more like photo bombing. Yeah. And stuff. So somebody did a study where now people majority of people are not camera shy now people yeah want to be on the cameras uh yeah back in the day people were just like i guess insecure about their looks and stuff but now once you put a selfie mode on a phone like people are like <laughs> oh hell yeah i don't know we got filters now that's true <laughs> <laughs> all right so eddie uh so one of your hobbies you talked about hobbies you like you did the intro and outro music, so you you know your way around music. You make beats and stuff, uh, and I, I'm gonna tell people we, we got to plug in your thing. Uh, what uh, what got you into making beats? So it was a buddy of mine. Uh, his name is Manuel. I kind of grew up with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were in high school together, and he introduced me to the software Fruity Loops, Fruity Loops. It's now FL Studio. Uh, most people that start out in music production, they start out with FL. Um, but he just kind of showed me these, like the software and he was just making beats for no reason, just for fun. And he gave it to me. I mean, like one of the reasons people like FL is because it's easy to crack, easy to get for free. Yeah. Um, they don't have to really pay for it. So you kind of get started in that. So I was in high school and, uh, just kind of started messing around with FL with Manuel. Um, I was really into hip hop. I still am really into hip hop, but in high school, especially I was definitely into hip hop. Mm-hmm. And so it started out as just making beats. Uh, with friends and 
Nope. Just meeting other friends who made beats and just all make beats Dude, together. That was, that that was, was a the thing. Yeah, I yeah. remember in uh, middle school and high school, the computer lab having like Macs and stuff. Yeah. And Garage Band. Oh, Garage Band. Dude, yeah. I would make loops. I would make songs and stuff that <laughs> like, I was always like me, uh, uh, insane with martial arts. Mm-hmm. I would always want to make a fight scene uh, soundtrack. Like, oh, what song oh, would yeah. go into like a fight scene and uh-huh. stuff? So a lot of, you know, guitars, a lot of drums and stuff, mm-hmm. something rock. And uh, God, I miss that. And then the garage right. band changed a little bit. Like, it's hard to do, like, loops and stuff. Like They you tried to make garage band more like Logic, and they tried to make it more like an actual recording software. Yeah. Whereas we, before, it was just like this fun little thing. Oh, here's some instrument loops that you can put, you yeah. can extend. And, ah, they tried that. to make it too serious. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I'm yeah. just making beats just for the hell of it. But, yeah. That's how it started out. And then... Uh, what goes into making beats like uh so right now like uh going back in time you were uh, when i told you like all right uh like i want an intro and outro how how do you start how do you start where it's like okay i gotta make Mm. a i gotta make a beat or maybe your original not even mine like what what goes into your head what's like the first things what are the steps back then when i first started i had no idea what i was doing Mm -hmm. so i would go between different sounds and like almost hear what sound I liked and I would start making a melody from the sound. Now though, I try to have an idea of what I want to make before I start making it. So it's almost like that's the biggest skill that I've learned to improve on in all these years of making beats is when I go to the studio now, I really have a, a better idea of what I want to make before I start making it. But when I first started doing beats, I just started toggling through different sounds, see what sounded cool and made just weird melodies. I almost missed the freedom of being a beginner because you just try so many things. Yeah. I always tell people being intermediate at something is like the hardest thing. Yeah. Because you're good enough that you're not a beginner anymore. So you hold yourself to a higher standard. But because you hold yourself to such a high standard, you make less. Mm. than when you first started that makes sense so it's like you at some point you start to realize i need to improve upon my skills so then when you're intermediate all you do is think about how do i improve how do i improve and you, yeah you start learning new things but then you're doing less of that thing that you first started doing so i i made more beats when i first started that sounded like utter garbage but i still made more yeah than what i'm doing now well at least before quarantine and everything. Now I'm on a really good groove going because I have a goal. But to answer your question, the biggest difference was I was a lot more experimental when I first started making music. I would look for the sound to inspire me. Mm -hmm. But now I have an idea of what I want to make before I even sit down and make it. I already have a template now um, where I have like all my, um, my groups of sounds and how they're already sent to different buses and stuff. And all my plugins are on those buses. So like, um, and we can get into more detail if you have any technical questions about that, but just imagine like a group of sounds going to a signal and you can edit that signal of sounds with different plugins versus others. So like all of my drums are grouped together in one bus, all of my like synths go to another one, all of my like orchestral stuff go to another one. I have that template set up to where when I sit down and make music, I start with almost the same sounds every time Mm -hmm. I add a drum like loop or a pattern underneath that. And then I think about where is this track going to go? Like what's the build up? What's the chorus? What's the biggest part? And that's always like the next step afterwards. 
So it's kind of the same thing. I start with uh, what the initial sound is, mm -hmm. but when I first started making music, I just toggled through different sounds. Now I have a template that shows me those sounds where I start with. Um, and I kind of miss sometimes the freedom of being experimental and not caring as much. Yeah. Just ignorance is bliss. I was just about you know? to say that. Um, like, do you do you have that creativeness where you're able to turn it off and then just kind of go back to beginners? Or... Uh, I'm a little too analytical now. Uh, well, not now, just like in my personality. I'm yeah. more of an... I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. It's just like there. sometimes there are people who can turn off the... Cre it's like watching yeah. a movie. Like, uh, you know, it's like okay, I'm going to turn on my reality. So mm -hmm. you're watching a movie mm -hmm. and you can't turn it off. So when something that unrealistic happens, you're just like, oh, that's dumb. But like, yeah. if you're able to turn it off and watch the movie for what it is, then you know you can enjoy it. Not saying that the movie is good, but you mm -hmm. can at least enjoy it. I wish I could do that with music, but the problem is I don't view myself as a musician. Mm. Like, I have creativity. Yeah. But I can choose to channel that creativity almost anywhere. I used to draw when I was younger. Um, I express my creativity through martial arts sometimes. I just kind of chose to do music production. And I've almost analytically figured out a way to make music. Whereas most people who come at music production, they think about how they can take all these ideas, all these songs in their head, and how do I make it sound better for the audience? Mm -hmm. I'm almost the opposite. I almost have to channel this creativity and I choose music to be its form. And I say I'm not a musician because I don't really play piano. I did when I was younger. And my biggest regret ever was not continuing piano lessons. Yeah. Like, oh, my God. But anyway, I played trumpet in middle school and high school. So I can read music. Yeah. Um, but I'm not the type of person that just sits down at a piano and just starts playing. Um, because I just, I wish I was more of a musician. I've just kind of chosen music for my own creative outlet. So I almost need my template now to write melodies for me. Yeah. Otherwise I get too caught up in the melody. Um, and I'm too much of an overthinker. I'm more of an analyst than I am a musician or like of a creative. My analytical brain takes over way more than my creative side. So having the like template and the thought about what song I'm going to make helps kind of fuel my creativity because I know, okay, I've, I've made this part analytically. I now need the bass to complement. Okay. Mm -hmm. Let me be creative on the baseline. Okay. I'm done with that. I now need a counter melody because analytically I know that's how you make a song. Okay. Let me go do this now. Um, I'm not really creative enough to come up with brand new experimental ideas. I almost need my analytical side to say I can be creative here. Okay. Now I can be creative on this part. Okay, now I have a transition. Be creative here. And that's kind of how I've figured out how to be kind of experimental and analytical. Yeah. I think uh uh I think you hit the nail on the head though uh, talking about the analytical part of it because I think like I, I like I have no way to back this up. Uh but I, I do think sometimes when people burn themselves out, whether what whatever create creative field I think it's because they feel like they have to be 100% creative. Mm -hmm. They they don't think of like uh er, no matter what in life, even creative uh stuff, there's a formula to be followed. Mm -hmm. Sometimes some there are rules to follow as well. Sometimes it's okay to break certain rules. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's okay to be uh, experimental. 
but everything has a structure. Everything has bones that yeah. you got to follow. Uh, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. So I think, you know, in a way that's, that's great that you have that part of your brain that kind of, you know, overthinks it. I'd rather you overthink it than not, because at least, uh, you're not being naive. You're like, okay, like I need this Mm -hmm. in order for this part to complement this. And then, uh, like you're not naive to see, okay, this is where I can be creative, but it's not about being creative. 100% 100% of yeah. all the music, there's a formula to be followed. There's nothing wrong with that. Well, also, when I say that the um, the hardest thing is to be intermediate at something, yeah. at some point, there's only so much theory you can learn, and there's only so much more you can learn from actually doing. So a lot of people will get caught up in the theory about things, and they crave knowledge versus the experience part of the it. The practice. And the hard part that you know becomes difficult for people to um, – except sometimes is I already know as much as I'm going to know, I have to now do the work. Yeah. And that's scary for people. Mm-hmm. Um, I was able to put into words with Courtney the other day where um, I haven't been making as much music lately because my template has been like done for like the last year. Um, there's only so much more I can add to the template. Like it sounds great. Like when I have a complete song, and I, I check the loudness meter and I compare it to other songs in the industry. Like my songs are loud enough. I know how to arrange a song. I know how to um, make a song like sound good mixing wise. I know how an EQ works. I know how a compressor works. So the scary thing is if I make a bad song now, it's because I suck. Mm. It's not because I don't know enough because I know all that I need to know now. Yeah. Um, and that's hard for people to admit sometimes when it's something creative. It's like, I have all the skills at this point. If I don't do something great now, it's because I suck. Oh, damn. And that's hard for people to admit. But as you do more of it, you're going to get better. Yeah. But it's easier to take in new knowledge than it is to make sucky material for a while. I think that's where some people kind of stop is when yeah they hit that moment where they realize they suck mm-hmm. and then they're like okay i can't get better that's yeah it. that's the end of the road i suck because once you get good at something you realize how much more you need to be able to get great at it that's why being in the beginner stage is so fun because it's nothing but going up yeah. you know I, I i love that like the inter- intermediate uh, uh sucks it, it's funny because uh i said the same thing like uh with michelin star restaurants mm-hmm. do, you, do you know about michelin stars no okay so this is weird like okay uh you know the michelin tires mm-hmm. a tire company think of this a okay. tire company for some weird reason started like doing this like food thing uh, a food okay. critic, restaurant critic where look look this up like afterwards okay. or during whatever <laughs> uh Michelin star so like I don't know the full backstory I, I know I'm missing something but a tire company one day decided to like rate restaurants and now uh-huh. it's it's more popular in Europe there's some in 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 like New York and California uh where uh, restaurants especially fine dining mm-hmm. crave Michelin stars mm. the most you can get is 3 uh and having one Michelin star is like great because it's like, yo, I'm a, I have a Michelin star and everybody's like, congratulations. <laughs> awesome. You get three. You're like, Oh my God, you have all three. That's amazing. Yeah. You get two. And it's like, 
yeah, you already got one. It's nothing special. Mm-hmm. Wow, you're not good enough to get three. Right. Like, what's wrong with you? What do I need to do to get three now? Yeah, it's like, oh, whoopity do you got two? And and somebody said it. Uh, I remember saying this to a, a a a mother, and then she was like, yeah, it's like having a kid when you're pregnant for the first time. Everyone, congratulations. Uh, uh, when you're pregnant the second time, people are like, all right, cool. The second one, they might ask you, was this one planned? <laughs> <laughs> or, or was this an oops baby <laughs> yeah <laughs> so yeah that that kind of reminded me of that but yeah no uh um i i think that's uh uh, uh people you're right uh, people need to take into that like where you know you sucked at this moment you made a mistake but doesn't mean you can't get better i know especially with the podcast like i'm i'm still a rookie mm-hmm. uh and and all that stuff maybe kind of almost there to intermediate but i'll still say i'm a rookie and uh I, I will be honest. Now I've changed my perspective. I love it when I make a mistake. Yeah. Yes. My pride is hurt mm-hmm. in that moment, maybe for the whole day, but God, it feels so good when you correct a mistake. And yeah. then like, now you have that new standard. Like I'll never do that again. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and you learned. Oh yeah. So uh, like, honestly, that's if I could give an advice to the world, like if the world was listening, it's listen, when you make a mistake, yeah, it hurts. I get it. Don't bitch. Don't cry. Start going good. I made a mistake. Yeah. I, now I have something to learn. And it humbles you too. So it's like, oh man, you thought you were great. You make a mistake. Put you back down to earth. Mm. It's like, you're immortal. Like, <laughs> calm down. It's something else I usually say to people is that you'll, uh, you'll learn something. Like, something that you learn will stick with you the longest. Mm-hmm. If you've been doing something wrong for so long and someone shows you the right way to do something, that's going to stick with you for longer because you're going to know, man, I could have been doing this that whole time versus like if someone just shows you the right way to do everything. Yeah, You're not going to remember all of those things. You might remember a few, but the things that I really remember, um, like I'll, I'll use an example from like um, my job job because I – I work in Microsoft Excel a lot. Mm -hmm. So like when someone showed me a formula in Excel that fixed my entire problem, I'm like, that saved me hours worth of work. And I could have done that these last six months. Fuck. Mm -hmm. But then creatively, when like when someone shows me a shortcut in in Ableton, like the software that I use or shows me like this mixing technique, it's like, oh, I could have been doing that instead of trying to do all of these things I've been doing for so long. So like when someone shows you or if you find a good solution, it sticks with you so much more if you've done the wrong thing for so long. Yeah. But that comes from just doing the work. Yeah. You know, like you you have to do the work. You have to get started. You have to open yourself up to the possibilities of making mistakes, of failing, because then it, it lets people know what where they can help you. Mm-hmm. But if you don't do it in the first place, then they can't help you. Yeah. Like, um, like oh, when, when you first started your podcast and, and you asked me like some audio advice. I couldn't just tell you every possible thing to do to get a good recording. Yeah, you can't diagnose the whole thing. Right. You know? But like today when you asked me how do I uh, – or uh, like – The mic was clipping. Yeah, the mic was clipping. How do I make it to where I don't have to do as much work in post? Mm-hmm. And then we figured out how to turn down the input gain on this mic. I mean that wasn't a conversation that we could have had years ago. Yeah, because I didn't, last I didn't year know those, those terms, honestly. Yeah. Like I know to some people listening to this that are already experienced, they're like, oh man, you didn't know what an input was. You didn't know what a gain was. Mm-hmm. But to the common people, they're like, 
I don't know what in- I don't know what that I, is. Yeah. I don't know what a gain <laughs> is. I I know the word input, but I don't know what gain is. Yeah. Like what? Well, like, basically, for those who don't know what we're talking about, it's if the input volume of the microphone is too loud going into your recording, then your recording is going to sound distorted and it's going to be hard even if you're to talking f- soft. Yeah, even if you're talking softly, um, it's always better to get a really quiet recording and then make it louder in post. But if you record too loud you've almost like ruined your audio. You can't really go back and like imagine drawing on a paper that someone's folded a bunch of times. Mm -hmm. It's still going to be a wrinkled paper no matter what you do to it afterwards. But having a clean piece of paper, you can do almost anything to it. That's what having a clean audio recording is. But like you didn't know to ask me last year, how do I make sure that I don't clip when I record? Yeah. Like who cares? Who knows about that? You yeah. know, most people don't even know that yeah. until you actually start doing but at it. At least, at, yeah, start, make that mistake because then it gives you like something specific to fix. Mm-hmm. It's like, hey, listen, uh, there's this like red bar showing and the audio sounds like crap. What is that? Oh, I'm glad you asked. That's called clipping. Mm-hmm. That's bad. So when you see that, that's a, mm-hmm. okay, I'm doing something wrong. There you yeah. go. Now I know where where we can fix it. But And yeah. also like with the like with the meter, there's a green and a yellow and a red. You didn't know that while you're recording, it shouldn't be in the yellow that much. You didn't know that. Mm-hmm. How would you ever know that? But if you back away from the mic and you start talking like way over here, okay, now it's in the green, but now I'm way over here. It doesn't sound as good. So the goal is to get a good recording when you're close, but not have it be too loud when you record. And that's different than turning down the volume of the track in your software. Mm -hmm. Because like I demonstrated to you, you can turn down the volume, but it's still yellow and red. But you turn the volume down, but you're not turning down the input volume. Yeah. Again, like this is all, the entire example of this is to say that you wouldn't have known to ask that question unless you already started putting in the work and making a bunch of podcasts already. You wouldn't have known, you don't know what you don't know. And so when you're intermediate at something, you know almost everything you need to know theoretically, but you haven't applied it yet. And so at that point, it's all about putting in reps, which is the hardest thing for people because at that point, you can't acquire any more knowledge. You just have to put in the work. You, you, You really do. Um, uh, so going back to music, mm-hmm. uh, who are some of your uh, musical inspirations? Oh, dude. I know you got a lot, but like. Man. What are some? I had a feeling you were going to ask me that question. <laughs> um, I have different inspirations for different things. So yeah, you could, yeah top me off on that one too. Um, that's good. So I have different inspirations for different areas of music. So mm-hmm. what I mean by that is I have different inspirations for um, rappers who I just enjoy listening to. Mm-hmm. I have different inspirations from EDM artists and producers who I try to emulate and make my music like I've them. I've been getting into EDM. Yeah? Yeah. Uh, I'll be honest. There was a time I thought it was trash. <laughs> uh, my cousin, uh, Roberto, mm-hmm. he's a DJ now. Like he, oh, cool. He plays at certain, so- uh, certain shows Hell in yeah. Atlanta and stuff. And I've gone out to some of his shows and no, he, him and his uh, uh, buddy Bash, they're really good. And, mm. uh, and honestly, like I'll nod my head and I'm not doing it to support him. I'm doing it because you're I'll, actually enjoying the music. Yeah. That's playing. And then I interviewed uh, this up and coming DJ, uh, Gu, 
he's he's really good. I saw him perform with my cousin. Like my cousin was an opener, and then he played right after him. Mm-hmm. And I went up to him, and I was like, "Dude, I'd love to have you on my podcast." And <laughs> then he finally came on, and uh, he's he's really good. And interviewing him, mm-hmm. uh, like uh, he told me some artists to listen to, and I did. And I'm gonna need to listen to that, to that episode. Yeah, and <laughs> like. I I'm now appreciating uh, EDM, but there yes, there was a time where I was like, <laughs> oh, there's no skill. You're just grabbing already songs and you're putting a, a a beat over it. But then I I remember seeing my cousin, the the soundboard and stuff, and like it almost looks like Guitar Hero, like they have yeah. this little screen, <laughs> and like they actually have to match with beats. And then I uh just for fun, I went on YouTube and I saw like I listened to like the worst EDMs mm-hmm. and I saw how bad you can like mess up on music and stuff. Yeah. And then, so it made me once I listened to the worst, it made me appreciate mm-hmm. the good and stuff. So, well, doing a live DJ set is very different than, uh, than someone who produces the music. Mm-hmm. Cause when you're, there's like, like whole different arts of DJing, which I'm not a DJ, so I'm not going to claim to, uh, to know that, but there are some people who will be, called like you're just a play button dj yeah but the djs who really I know do what, know those those yeah, yeah yeah um who can literally just let like go up there they have a live set they play they have like a like a really cool device and they start just turning knobs for things mm-hmm. um somebody like me who even though i'm not a dj but i am a producer i listen to the song and i see them turning knobs and i'm like you're not changing anything <laughs> there's not a filter you're not EQing something there. You're not doing anything. A knob is supposed to adjust something. And if you're going all the way left and all the way right, should hear something. you should hear something. Yeah. So if anybody's watching a DJ play and you see them move, turning knobs or moving faders and the song sounds exactly the same, they're not doing shit. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I'm going to do that one day just because I, it does look cool. Just be like, be like uh, uh, yep. <laughs> but the, the that, one ear. Yep. <laughs> but that being said, though, the DJs who know what they're doing, yeah, where they take and blend songs live that shouldn't be blended mm-hmm. and they transition seamlessly to another song, that is some hard shit to do. And I can't do that. Yeah. That takes a lot of practice, especially doing it live, because like there's a lot of software that does things kind of automated for you. Like um, they'll cue in another beat and they'll show up on the downbeat. So like beat one, two, three, four, the next thing comes in. So if you cue it at an incorrect time, well, now you're off beat for your whole set. Yeah. So it's like nerve wracking sometimes to be able to do that. I tried to make my own like little live set in the studio and it was such garbage. I, I'm like, I'm not a DJ. I'm not a live person. I'm going to stick to producing. Um, but yeah. some of my inspirations though, um, especially for, uh, man, lately, my number one artist of all time, his name is Apache. A-P-A-S-H-E. I know I've heard of this name. He, he combines orchestral music, like with a live orchestra, with EDM. Nice. And he doesn't bucket himself into just one EDM genre. He does trap. He does a little bit of future-based stuff. He does some like house stuff. He does um, a little bit of drum and bass combined with it. He almost like just has his own little EDM pocket, but he always combines the orchestral with his other EDM stuff. And uh, his album Renaissance that came out in 2020, he actually recorded a live orchestra that played all of his orchestra parts. And then he mixed that into his EDM parts. Nice. 
he's been doing live shows on YouTube um, during quarantine. It's, like, so you can check out a couple of his live concerts. Mm-hmm. And somebody like me who knows how to mix and produce, I can tell when something, not always, but in, in these sets, I could tell on these videos that the orchestra that was playing was live because his live recording sounded different than like his production track. Like the, the string sounded different. Um, so it was cool to see him do a show live. But the reason why he's my favorite is because he combines a live orchestra with EDM stuff so flawlessly. And it's my favorite subgenre of EDM, which is more trap and future bass, because mm-hmm. um, that has a very hip hop feel to it. There's like a whole bunch of different EDM subgenres. You got your house and techno, which has like one beat every time. Yeah. Right. You've got your um, like your chill melodic dubstep and your like big dubstep where they have like a very similar drum vibe. Mm-hmm. But I really gravitate towards trap, e- um, future bass. Um, there's like other weird like naming conventions for different subgenres of those. But the ones that feel more like hip hop with an EDM feel on top of it, that's my favorite of all time. So that's yeah. what Apache does with a live orchestra. I got I got to listen to some. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's he's my so, biggest inspiration right now for sure. Nice, because some of my favorite ones, it I I have two. I don't know their names, but like it's definitely things that are heavy that I can like really nod my head to and mm-hmm. all that stuff. And then one that is like super chill, but like almost techno where it's repetitive, but it has such a like chill cool melody that mm-hmm. like i can just lay back and relax that sounds like house music so yeah so mm-hmm. uh if that if that's the case those are like the two that i gravitate something like i can party with mm-hmm. and then one that i can just relax but not have it be like sad melancholy uh, kind of just chill nice something i can really vibe with you know have you heard of odessa because you pretty much just described them really yeah o-d-e-s-z-a sounds familiar you gotta check them out like i will say that's one thing i am bad with edm like getting into it is Mm -hmm. i'm not memorizing names well some of them kind of sounds like i know marshmallow just because my Mm -hmm. cousin talks about that one a lot Mm -hmm. that's like jaws EDM. yeah Mm -hmm. oh gent and jaws had like a little uh collaboration back when they were doing like a whole bunch of uh trap stuff Mm -hmm. so yeah yeah those guys are cool yeah Um, marshmallow is definitely uh i actually like marshmallow a lot um a lot of People that are like hardcore EDMers, I guess you could say, would say that Marshmallow is trash. He's like the uh, like um, completely selling out type of mainstream mm. type thing. But if you listen, like Marshmallow actually does something pretty incredible where he can make the most simple melody, like almost insanely repetitive that you almost hate it. It's so repetitive, but he makes it sound great. He makes yeah. a full song with just one little catchy melody. And as somebody like me, who I'm, I'm really into... Um, I make music now for sync licensing. Mm-hmm. So like I'm trying to get my songs placed on TV and film. Nice. Marshmallow's actually been a really good inspiration because I think about what is a and good. And those follow a formula. They very formulaic. Yeah. Almost too formulaic. Yeah. But I need more of a, a repetitive formula because I'm trying to get music on TV and film or, or commercials or advertisements. So I need it to sound like something recognizable. Mm-hmm. So I've actually been, well, to answer your question, Marshmallow has actually been an inspiration for me lately too, because I listened to how does he take this one melody and make a, a good drop out of it? Like what some people would argue that the chorus is a little too empty. The mainstream will argue, no, that chorus and that drop, that sounds good. It's, it's full. It's good enough. So when I hear a Marshmallow track, I'm like, oh, 
people like when it's just like this. Mm-hmm. So that means I can do less with writing stuff and just think, oh, this actually sounds good. I don't need to add three, four more sounds to it. I just need to be deliberate about this melody and people like that. Okay. So Marshmallow has actually been another inspiration because of how he's managed to take such a simple melody and make it sound so full and complete. Nice. Even though people would call him like a mainstream pop EDM type person. The thing that pisses me off about that Mm -hmm. is, uh, okay, sooner or later, that's going to happen, not because of you necessarily, but because of the audience, because mm-hmm. people share your things. And guess what? Person A shared it with person B and person B shared it with person C. And it just kept going mm-hmm. because people like that sound. And because, like, let's be honest, everybody wishes that they can be mainstream yeah. and stuff. Like, not because, not necessarily for the money, even though it's nice, but also because it lets you know, like, Yo, a lot of people like... It gives you validation. Exactly. Now, it doesn't... Like, yes, we can talk about what makes you a sellout and stuff. To me, I don't care. A a sellout is uh, plain and simple. I will never do X. Then you do X. Mm. You're a sellout. So, like, I know back when I wanted to be an actor for the longest time, we've had fun with this where I was Mm -hmm. like, I hate Michael Bay. I will never be in a Michael (laughs) Bay movie. You see DJ being in a Michael Bay movie. That's a Uh, sellout. Oh, you sold out there. Exactly. Yeah. But um, I said I hate horror movies. But if I'm in a horror movie, that doesn't make me a sellout. I just said I hate horror movies, like watching them. But I never said I will never do it. I said I'll never work with Michael Bay. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But since I said I will never do X. But then I go and do X for the money and mm-hmm. for the uh, uh, and for the fame. That's a sellout. So <laughs> like if people that you have no control over starts to appreciate your music, starts to buy your music and then you're popular and then people are like, hey, Marshmallow, would you like to play in this concert? Would you like to make mm-hmm. a soundtrack for this movie? That doesn't make you a sellout because you never said I will never do right. movies. I yeah. will never. That doesn't make you a sellout. Saying like, you oh, don't want much. something versus I won't do it. And, and and screw the fans. I will say this: the toxic fans that says, uh, uh, who says that's like, oh, I used to like Marshmallow, but now he got too mainstream. All right, screw you. You're not a fan because he always wanted that. He's always like, yeah. you know what's a great feeling besides the money? People calling me and be like, hey, I like you. Can you play at this show? Yeah. I'm just saying, tox- toxic fans. I will also say that uh, like another example of selling out is if you change your sound or your perspective to be like to copy somebody else and you lose what you had to begin with. So like a really good example, there's an artist named Ruth B Mm -hmm. who I'm I'm not going to call her a sellout. I'm just giving her, I'm I'm just using her as an example of what some people might consider a sellout. Mm -hmm. Her first album was just her and a piano and very minimal drums. And it was really organic and it sounded great. It was more about the piano and the vocals. Her latest album, which came out sounded like, you put her in the same studio as Katy Perry. Um, it was very pop, pop, but like, well, not Katy Perry. That's a bad example, but more like a, I don't know, like Billie Eilish. Who it's pop, but it's like trying to be edgy pop. Yeah, like I'm, I'm quiet, chill, down tempo, but pop. There's mm-hmm. still a formula there. Overproduced, all the things. And like, if you took those two albums of Ruth B's, they sound totally different. Maybe she wanted to do that and make a whole, like a, a completely different sound than before, but I don't know if she actually did or not. Some people might call that selling out because you took 
what you had going for you, which got you to the stage. Mm-hmm. And now that you're there, you try to sound like everybody else. Yeah, I can, I can that see could that. could be called uh, selling out. Yeah, too. Uh, especially if you you didn't, now that you have this bigger platform, you're not bringing like, oh, hey, I'm bringing what made me me, mm. but I'm just mm-hmm. adding to it around, but I'm, I'm not giving it away. But if you abandon what made you you mm-hmm. to do what's in the mainstream, I can see that argument. I can see it both ways. Like I'm not, I'm not gonna stand on one side or the other. But I can, I can see that argument. Well, a really good argument for how it could work to your benefit is like Skrillex. Yeah. Skrillex, I would argue, is one of the most influential EDM artists of all time. Not giving my opinion about what I like about him or mm-hmm. anything like that, or if I like his music. I'm just saying he's influential because when Skrillex makes something, people copy it. So Skrillex is an example of somebody who's changing his sound to be totally different mm-hmm. and to introduce something new to the game. Yeah. He went from dubstep and then made this like um interesting trap sound when he did his collaboration album with Diplo, um the Jack U album which came out in like 2014. And songs nowadays still sound like that album did while wow, almost 10 years ago. So it's like Skrillex is always doing something different, but it's to change his sound to almost push the genre forward. I wouldn't call it selling out because that's almost who he is. He's yeah. always trying to re redefine what you can do with a genre. Yeah. Uh, that's why I, I, I respect uh, Linkin Park a lot, um, uh, Mike Shinoda specifically, because mm-hmm. one of the things, uh, uh, one of the criticism people get all the time or uh, that people criticize him and his band is that, oh, man, I miss hybrid theory I miss and, Meteora and, Meteora and, all, and all that yeah. stuff. And then uh, uh, Mike has already came out and said it several times. Like he, he's a pioneer. He wants to experiment with different sounds. Uh, there's a, a really awesome interview uh, with him and the other musician. I, I, I feel bad. That I Chester? can't remember his name. No, oh. please, <laughs> no, <Chester>. please. <laughs> uh, uh, I cried. Yeah. I that yeah, man. Um, uh, it was um who he worked with uh when he uh did the soundtrack for the movie Raid Raid Redemption. Oh, and he challenged himself. He him and this other guy that did the soundtrack. He he was like, I don't want to do guitar and I don't want to do bass or drums. I think like he he took out two instruments. He was like, I don't mm-hmm. want to do these because he wanted to challenge himself. Mm-hmm. And he made an awesome soundtrack for the movie. Mm-hmm. And uh uh obviously some people are like yes i want the sound of hyper theory and meteora but like uh he he talked openly about that he wants to create new sounds he's Mm -hmm. always searching for a new sound uh he could easily go back to those old sounds Mm -hmm. but he 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 wants to create new sounds yep uh he and he's not a dumb guy he knows what he can do to like be on the uh, top billboards and Mm -hmm. and create something super well he did that with fort minor exactly he showed this is what will get me to the top like he, he he knows what he can do he's choosing not to because he wants to experiment sounds just like you how you said it like he wants to make music for himself like that he likes mm-hmm. he does so th- that to me is not a sellout when somebody goes like oh play your old sound that got you popular it's like no i i play that sound that you enjoyed uh and i got lucky that you enjoyed it but i like that sound now i'm trying to find new sounds mm-hmm. that i like um uh, so I'll, I'll wrap up with the music part of this. Uh, and well, there's one more thing on. that I, yeah. that I actually wanted to talk about. And, um, what you talked about, um, you know, like him doing film stuff, 
Uh, and I want him to do more. <laughs> <laughs> well, you recently, well, not recently, but like a like a while ago in the conversation, you mentioned the like the film stuff that that we used to do. Mm -hmm. I don't think you know this, but um, you're actually the reason why I got into film scoring. Really, and started listening to film scoring music, and why I started gravitating towards sync licensing. It's, really, it's a combination of you and Steven, yeah, but mostly you. Because, oh, wow. I didn't yeah, know that. <laughs> it's entirely because of you. And I'll explain why. So the first time I ever got to work in, in film at all, because I, I started out doing like just beats mm -hmm. and I started recording people who wanted to rap and some singers and stuff. That's where I learned how to how to mix and stuff. Um, Steven and I were part of this um, 48 hour film festival thing. Yeah. Like years ago. I where, remember. Yeah. Yeah. So like you get a crew together um, on a Friday night. They tell you what the movie's going to be about. You start filming that Friday night, all day Saturday, edit Sunday, and then you submit it within 48 hours. So Steven was main camera guy, which is what he does now. Uh, I was the audio guy. So I had to capture all the audio. You're the sound guy. The sound guy. There you go. Uh, but I, And I had to compose the music for it too. Mm -hmm. So that was fun because I had to do everything and put all my skills to the test and crank something out in 48 hours. But I was... The sound guy for all the vocals, the audio, getting good takes, making sure that people weren't clipping, conversations before. Mm -hmm. um, and I didn't quite know what I was doing with that. And then I just had maybe a couple hours to write the music real quick. And it was a horror movie or, or suspense, horror suspense. So it was really easy to make a, like, a musical score or soundtrack. With you, though, um, when you were uh, – what was it? Uh, Caesar or Mark Anthony? Oh yeah, uh, uh, I was Mark Anthony. You're Mark Anthony, right? For Caesar, yeah. And and you did like a certain scene from what the movie Caesar was it? Yeah, yeah. So like it, Julius Caesar, yeah. Yeah. So you did like a very specific scene for that. I was the sound guy for that too. I captured all the audio, but the difference was instead of just doing a generic soundtrack there, you actually worked with me mm -hmm. on the music that you wanted. So that was my first time actually writing. To picture but giving someone else's idea versus my own idea mm. and the best example is i'm not sure if you remember but the very end of the film i remember when you walk away and there's a close-up of your face you give a smile right and what i interpreted there was that you were being treacherous that you had ulterior motives so I wrote something that was a bit more mysterious and suspenseful and made you think, oh, this guy's up to no good. Yeah. But you told me, no, I actually want it to be more of a fanfare. I yeah. want you to think that he won the crowd. He accomplished something. He feels good about himself. He's prideful. So you wanted more of like an epic fanfare yeah. I in a happy tone. I yeah, I, I will never forget that because it was the first time that I wrote two different pieces of music to the same exact scene ah. and got two completely different emotions from it. Nice. So like your smile could have been interpreted as, oh, this guy's up to no good. Or it could be interpreted as, oh, he feels he accomplished something. He won the crowd over. One is he manipulated the crowd. The other one is they're on his side now and he feels good about it. Yeah. That was my first time ever really writing music for what somebody else wanted versus just for myself. Yeah. And being able to convey somebody else's idea. And since then, I've been in love with film scores. Um, one of my favorite podcasts is called, it's called a Score the Movie. Or mm -hmm. Score the Podcast. Um, 
where they just interviewed different composers. Nice. And the reason why I got into sync licensing is because I want to be in the industry of writing music to picture mm -hmm. instead of just writing music to be an artist. Because yeah. I actually don't want to be an artist. Yeah. I've never really wanted to perform on stage excuse me, or get like a bunch of followers. I don't like the social media stuff. I made my album back in 2019 just so I could challenge myself to get something done and accomplished and put it out there. Yeah. But I never really wanted to be an artist. I did like the very minimal of social media stuff. Like, hey, my album's coming out, guys. Check it out. Hope you like it. And that was it. Yeah. Um, and I know that about myself. Um, but well, I'm about to plug that in, actually. I don't <laughs> with that. But the film scoring was so fun to me because I got to use my skill to convey somebody else's idea. Yeah. Or I got to be like a supporting role in something else. And that to me, to me personally is a lot more fun than trying to be the lead or have the one idea of being that one artist or that one musician. Yeah. So it's because of you I got into film scoring. Hey, and because well, of that, I got into sync licensing now. That's awesome. Well, I'm glad <laughs> I could help. Uh, yep. I will say that it. I love helping people. Uh, if I can help people in any way, because I bet it's that same feeling you got where uh, when you take a backseat on something, especially in the creative field, you see that like everybody wants to be in the forefront. Everybody wants like, to be able to be like, oh, I made this. But with you, like, uh, uh, it must it must feel good where it's like, oh, man, I, I thought of something creative. But let me take a backseat. Let me help somebody create what they're envisioning mm -hmm. because we can't read minds. So when when like you're helping when you were helping me, I wonder if you felt that like the moment you saw my reaction, like, yes, that's it. Mm -hmm. That's that's what I want. Yeah, you must be like. Wow, it's almost like mind reading. Like I was able to, I don't know what you were thinking of, but I was able to create it. We were able to create it together. Mm -hmm. And from that reaction was probably great. That uh, was way more fun to me than making any beat or any track yeah. or recording someone else's song. Um, I don't really record anymore. I don't really, um, I wanted to be an audio engineer for a while there yeah. where I would record and mix other people's songs and stuff. I, Cause I enjoy mixing. Yeah. Um, Cause it's a very analytical process. Mm -hmm. You take a song that somebody else wrote and you're like, how do I make it sound better? That's super fun to me, but I'd never had more fun making music than that film that you and I did, even though it was so short and it was like a, a small little like project. Yeah. I still think about it. It was still the most fun I'd had. It, it's, it's those that lights the fire. Uh, uh, people think it has to be some like some big project, some mm -hmm. big inspiration. No, sometimes it's like something super small. Uh, the, the guy, my uh, buddy John, shout out to you, John, uh, <laughs> who helped me make this table. Uh, so it's a nice table, dude. Oh man, <laughs> <sighs> it is a nice table. It's a really cool color, like the logo. Also, I love this table. I like so it. Much. I like I it. I love this table <laughs> so much, man. Uh, and it's going to be with me for years. Like I cut the four holes for the yeah, four lines that. eventually in the future. Oh my God. I love this table. <laughs> I would do these things to this table. Have you had sex on this table yet? <laughs> but anyways, uh, <laughs> um, he didn't answer the question. I know. Right. He didn't um, deny it either. Wait, what? I said, have you had sex on this table yet? <laughs> so one. <laughs> so, okay. So John, <laughs> so, uh, John, he helped me make this table and he uh 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 i helped him out one day like i i i i came up to him like this is gonna sound so super silly but like it's anything to light the fire under uh him and i we were working at a restaurant together 
And I came up to him and I was like, well, I was asking anybody. I was like, I want to make this gingerbread house for my girlfriend uh, at the time. And I was like, uh, from the movie Up and stuff. And he was like, I can do it. And mm. I was like, oh, yeah. And I, and I paid him and he made an awesome gingerbread house of the movie Up. Mm-hmm. And apparently, I didn't know this. Like, listen, I just wanted him to make that gingerbread house. That's all. Mm. I wasn't trying to inspire him or anything. But that inspired him to... Uh, 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 work with his hands mm-hmm. and to seek out a career in that. Wow. And then eventually, not not the next day, not the next week, but sometime later, like the ball was rolling. Mm-hmm. Little did we both know that he was like, you know what? I can get paid for making things with my hands. That's mm-hmm. what I want to do. So eventually he left the restaurant and pursued his career. And when I reached out to him years later to make a table, mm. uh, he was willing to do it for free. And I was like, no, I'm, I'm still going to pay, pay you. you yeah. And then he was like uh, telling me that I inspired him because of that gingerbread house. So you never know how <laughs> you're going to help somebody out. Yeah. Like, so another advice, just help people. Like, yeah. <laughs> just be there, help people, be nice. And you never know what, what's going to happen. You never know what little thing will lead to something else. Exactly. Like those latest tracks that I sent you, um, I'm actually going to submit those alongside like a whole bunch of others, mm-hmm. like 10 to 12 tracks in total of that style. It's like orchestral future bass, mm-hmm. but you, those are really good. I appreciate it. Uh, and and I, like, I'm going to let you finish what you're going to say. It's because I wanted to add plug in your thing as, as well. <laughs> sure. Uh, those songs, they follow a very specific formula for music libraries. So if you notice those songs start with a drop, there's one little verse, they end with a bigger drop, and that's it. They're like less than two minutes. They all follow a very specific formula because I'm trying to get those placed with music libraries so that way they can place them on TV shows, commercials, movies, or whatever. Um, it's been kind of my obsession for the last couple of years, but I'm, it, I, I, I've taken this time to really like master my craft. It's mm-hmm. one thing to make a beat or to make a song. It's another to make music for a supporting role for something else, right? And to understand that my song is not going to be the lead part, but it does need to be full and needs to be a good product. I need to learn, or I've had to learn what do music libraries need to be able to use my songs? Mm -hmm. And what do I need to do to make my songs more marketable? It's been more like, how do I become almost like a, like a customer feedback type person, like, or like a, or customer support type person where it's like, what do you need from mm-hmm. me? Yeah. So that's why it's taken me a while to craft those um, in that structure, but now I can kind of turn them out a little bit. And I'm close to getting my full album done to where I can start submitting it to libraries. I've got a couple in mind already, uh, but for the most part, it's been just mastering my craft lately. So those three that you sent me, mm-hmm. uh, uh, for sure they're going to be on the album? Yeah. Okay. Well, at least you got three now, so that's, yeah. that's awesome. I've got like... Th- a three or four still kind of rough draft in, uh, but those three are like done. That's see, that's important. The fact that they're done. Yeah. Better done than perfect. Yeah. Because you could always go back and, 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 and listen to it and, and stuff. Maybe, maybe what you finished with now you listen back to it and you're like, and eh, you know what? I could do it a little bit better. Let me, let me do it mm-hmm. better. But at least you have something done that you can at least reference. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so one thing I wanted to uh, talk about is your album that you did drop and mm-hmm. and, and your single uh, Life is uh, Quantized. 
uh people what what's the album called like it's just it's called Eddie. purging purging so that's p-u-r-g-i-n-g purging that song that song <laughs> dude let me tell you the story i know i texted okay, you okay. the story but like let me tell you this story all right people listen i know eddie's day one or day zero sorry uh oh speaking of which mm-hmm. one day one day I, I gotta say this publicly so like you can hold me accountable one day okay. not anytime soon one day i'm gonna get these mugs like my buddy Alec, shout out to you, Alec, got me these mugs. Love these mugs. One day for day zeros, mm-hmm. five of you, I'm gonna put day zero on the bottom. Okay. I don't know whether I'm gonna put it on on the bottom inside or on the bottom on mm. this cup, but all of you guys are gonna have day zeros on it. So explain the day zero thing. You guys were there from the beginning. Mm. Uh, 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 and I know Alec is gonna. Uh, uh, talk some shit be like i'm a day zero <laughs> uh, you you might get one who knows i'm, I'm still debating uh but it's uh, the day zeros uh top is uh you eric steven neil and zach mm. uh because zach obviously gave me the space to be able to do this podcast you made the intro and outro uh with eric's help and, and with eric's help and and it's awesome because you helped uh, Eric helped you with that, and uh, uh, Neil helped Eric, and well, both of them uh, made the logo. The logo, Love yeah. The logo. But I wasn't afraid of needles. I get that tattooed on me. <laughs> uh, and then uh, Stephen, he helped me out with learning. Yeah. Uh, the uh, taught teaching me how to edit, how to set up the mm-hmm. one eighty rule with the cameras and the oh yeah. And stuff. So literally, without you five. I would not be able to make the show. Mm-hmm. So like literally you guys have stock in the show. So if I ever start to hey. make money one day, but uh, yeah, I'm going to get a <laughs> mug I, I, and put day zeros. Yeah. On that. So you're a day zero. Well, Steven was definitely my like inspiration into film in general. Like I yeah. learned so much about film from him. Same. Um, Same. And I learned all these things, not knowing I was ever going to make a podcast. Like, right. Yeah. Just doing short films. Yeah. And I remember telling Haven. You, you remember that? Yeah. Haven. <laughs> God, well, I wish we could have. I wish that. we finished that. I know. Uh, Steven, we got to finish Haven. We got to finish. I don't Haven. know how. I, I, I don't well, know how at all. I don't know either, but one day, <laughs> but yeah, like learning the lights, the camera rules, a little yeah. bit of editing and stuff. Not, I was retaining all this information, not knowing I was ever going to make a podcast. Yeah. I was just like, Asking questions like, oh, okay, why, why this? Why that? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. And yeah, it worked. Day zero. Okay. Day zero. I love it. So anyways. The story yeah, about purging. Uh, uh, even though Eddie is a day zero and I've known him for years, this dude is great at music. Uh, he, his album Purging, download It's on Apple Music right now and probably on Spotify and all that. Download it. Purging, especially Purging. That's my favorite song on the album. This is how good it is. Unbiased. I had a moment of unbiased. Back when I was living with Steven, mm-hmm. uh, again, I have my beats in 90% of the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I do the dishes. I don't put them in the dishwasher. I actually like to hand mm-hmm. wash. Mm-hmm. I was hand washing some dishes. I put my music always on shuffle. Mm-hmm. Like no matter, not even on playlists, just everything on shuffle. I love all my music. I have thousands of music mm-hmm. every now and then there's one that comes on that I haven't heard in years or whatever, mm-hmm. or, and sometimes I forget who this is. Yeah. Purging came on <laughs> and I was doing the dishes and it was just like, mm-hmm. I love that beat. It's just like, dun, dun. and I was just like vibing. I was like, yo, who, who is this? What is this? 
And then, uh, uh, like my hands were all soapy and wet and, and I was like, I wanted to get my phone. Like literally this is mm-hmm. what happened. I was just like, oh, damn, I don't want to reach out. Uh, Hey, I, re- I remember I, I was like, I don't know if I should say it. whatever. Hopefully it doesn't. <laughs> like that. I said, Hey, iPhone woman thing. Okay. Uh, I don't want to say the S word. Sure. Sure. Then, uh, anyways. So I said that I was like, uh, what song is playing? And then she said, purging by you have a weird eddie thing but I know, like yeah. i i knew it was you she was like e d d i e whatever what and she was like eddie and then i was like yo what <laughs> this is eddie and then i made a mental note that the moment i'm done washing these dishes uh-huh. i gotta text you i like, remember you texting me that day yeah <laughs> I, I, and i was like yo he's gonna love this eddie purging came on i just gotta let you know Dude, that song is great because unbiased, I was just like, yo, who is this? Yeah. This is great. I don't remember this song (laughs) and I loved it. Purging, life is uh, quantized and purging. What? Quantized. Quantized. Yeah. Uh, uh, That one and purging, my top two favorite. Hell yeah. All your other songs are great. Don't get me wrong. Mm -hmm. I'm just, if I got to rank them, those are top two. Okay. I still battle which one I like more. I think it's purging. (laughs) So people download his song. It's especially purging so freaking good yeah, yeah, yeah i'm telling you i had a moment where i was just like yo whoever this artist is i'm vibing to it it's by eddie your friend what he has something and like in a way like i like i don't blame you that you don't want to be an artist and stuff and especially the social media game if i could like do this podcast without relying on social yeah. media, even though i'll admit like i do kind of like instagram now a little bit uh but uh yeah i i do feel you i still hate social media i'm still gonna make albums but they're gonna be from like my close people yeah so like oh man open to the public man god no 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 no. like like it is gonna be open to the public like i am gonna make more albums Mm -hmm. for like spotify and and apple music and stuff but i don't care if anybody else listens to it oh okay you know what i mean like it would be cool podcast yeah Yeah. out in the public right my friends or family are the ones gonna watch i don't care it would be cool if i got a million streams that would be cool i can't deny that it'd be awesome yes but i'm not putting my music out there for For that that sole reason there's a convenience in knowing especially in today's day and age like hey you can pull up my music right here it's out there Mm-hmm. that's different than my sync licensing stuff though those three songs that i sent you that's going to be it's on soundcloud because you can upload anything to soundcloud mm-hmm. but i i am going to put those on my website when it's done yeah and i'm going to use that to advertise to music libraries yes that these songs won't be on spotify but i am going to make more albums yeah. for that too eric and i also want to do a little collaboration type thing too where he does his guitar stuff, I combine it with some trap EDM stuff, and we we do our own thing too. So there's ideas in the works for the future. Mm-hmm. Right now, I'm I'm I just want to get my first album for sync licensing submitted to a library and be done, and then maybe do like a single here or there for like my my Eddie C project. Um, yeah, I spell it E D D one E C all all connected. Yeah, I got the inspiration from Dead Mouse because I know it's, I heard that name too. I mean house music edm he's like a really popular guy from there yeah but it's spelled d-e-a-d-m-a-u-5 like the number five mm. so if you don't know who that is it looks like dead mouth five what yeah but if you know who it is it's dead mouse dead mouse so i got inspiration from it and instead of the i i have the number one and the c is connected so it looks like one thing it's i, I want it to be like if you know you know you yeah. know it's supposed to be eddie c but if you look at it, you're like, that's kind of weird. I don't know what that artist's name is supposed to be. Yeah. If you know, you know. You. I like that. I like that. Yep. 
but yeah so the only reason why i say that too is because uh like again i i, I picture me i don't picture the masses i don't care about the popularity i picture me i'm selfish i want i use apple music i use spotify for podcasts but mm-hmm. i just want to download your music and be able to listen to it whenever I want. Yeah. I don't want to have to go to another app and listen to the music. Oh, totally. So my thing is, is like I've uh, uh like I was telling this to Roberto and 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 you like oh man please come out with an original I know EDM that's the thing like you got to use other people's song and all that stuff. Well, that's DJing or if you want to do remixes. Like yes. there's a lot of original EDM, yes. but the big thing are doing remixes of stuff and DJing stuff yeah. too. Well, that's that's what he does. Yeah, like DJing yeah, and yeah. stuff. And I'm like, he probably has to use SoundCloud. Yeah, he does. Yeah. And which is fine. I get it. And I, and SoundCloud's huge. Uh, I get it. But, but I'm it's like, not Apple Music or Spotify. Yeah. And I'm just like, listen, just create at least one album or a single mm-hmm. just so people can download it for those in my boat that listens to Apple Music, puts it on shuffle, and then has that moment like washing the dishes where your song comes mm-hmm. on. They're like, yo, who is this? Oh, my God, it's him wow, this is actually good. Like he has something. <laughs> I'm not just saying this as a friend or yeah, as a yeah. family, like you have something and you never know. So, I mean, that's, that's just me. It's just like, like I get it. You SoundCloud. I have no knock on SoundCloud, but create an original oh, yeah. where like, because if it's good, it's good. And if it's bad, like people are still going to support you, like your friends and family, but then you yourself, you know, it's kind of bad. Mm-hmm. You know, you have some work to do, get to work. And Making something sound good enough to be able to post on Apple Music or Spotify takes a lot of work. And there's a lot of pressure in finishing a track. Yes. Um, finishing any project, well, especially in the creative field. That was the entire concept of purging in the first place, which I'll get back to because I have to pee really badly. Okay. So I'm going to talk about what the concept of the album purging was. So remind me when I get back. Yeah, you're good. Hence the title of the song. Yeah. Be right back. Waiting for it to stop. Yeah. Stairs are awkward because they're like shorter distance than typical stairs. Oh, are they? But they're so far away that it's still like you have to step. But they're like shorter stairs than like typical house steps. I'm like, oh, I, I expected my foot oh. to have to go down a little further, but it didn't. It was just, oh, there's the stair. Okay. That's hilarious. <laughs> um, Never got that criticism. <laughs> I don't know. The stairs just seem smaller to me. Um, so purging, um, I've made like so many ideas of songs mm-hmm. and like initial melodies that I'm like, okay, I'm going to do, I'm going to do something with that, but I don't know what yet. Um, and I had, I don't know, 30 or 40 ideas. Um, and I never knew what to do with them because I never had a plan. Were they going to be beats for a rapper to get on? Was I going to make them for a, somebody to sing on? Was I just going to make beats to try to sell? Was I going to become an artist and make them into songs? I never knew. Yeah. Um, but I always had a few melodies that really like stood out to me that I wanted to do something with. Spoiler alert. It's kind of what the album was about. So it's um, these particular songs are the ones that I kind of kept and wanted to do something with. Like little melodies, little samples, little ideas that I got that I'm like, there's something here. I'm just going to keep it for now. Mm-hmm. And I had too many of those and the idea of the album was let's purge my hard drive of old ideas and move on to something new 
that was kind of around the time that I started getting, getting into sync licensing on how to structure my music for sync music. But I knew I had something there that I wanted to at least finish because I'd never really finished something or had a song that I could say, I made this, even though I've been music, making music for like decade, like a decade already. Yeah. Um, and I wanted to know that I could complete a project, get something done, finish it and put it out there. Even if nobody cared to listen to it, at least it was done. Yeah. You know what I mean? And That's so what feels good about this podcast. Yeah. Is that finishing something is finishing right? something. I constantly finish something once a week. And, uh, also because it's not live, uh, I have a responsibility not only to me, but to you to get this episode up because it's not about me. It's about you. And like, you know, I would hate that feeling of like, yeah, you can stop me off. Uh, I would hate that feeling of, uh, you messaging me and saying, Hey man, when's the episode coming out? And I'm right. just like, oh, I really don't want to work on it. <laughs> so like it, it, but I'm always motivated because like, I, I, I love doing it and I love putting it out there, but it, it, it does. There's like another thing I want to leave people with. Yes. When somebody does a creative hobby, yes, it's always in the back of your head, man, I just want to be famous from this and all that <laughs> stuff. Oh man, it'd be so great if I make money. But like, I'm telling you, put that bullshit aside for just a second when you finish it, mm-hmm. when you fucking finish it, it is such a great feeling because then it, it lets you know, like the first episode I did with Steven, mm-hmm. it took me two weeks to edit that damn thing. Yeah. Like, I suck. <laughs> now, uh, uh, I, 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 I aired an episode yesterday. Mm-hmm. It just took me a couple of hours just to edit it. Yeah. I just had to watch it in its entirety for quality control and then a little bit of clipping. Sure. But <laughs> th- that, that was it. Like, now I went from two weeks to just a matter of hours. Mm-hmm. So now I feel I feel great when I when I finish it. So like that's the you hit the nail on the head again. That's the thing that some creative people need. Learn to finish something. And mm-hmm. Stephen did say that in his first episode. Uh, uh, like learn to finish something because it makes you feel good. You learn. You you've gotten better. You'll be even faster with quality. But God, man, I, I, I can't describe <laughs> it. It just feels so good when you finish something. Yeah. And even I now, like, can make, that's what she said, jokes, but <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I it. it is that. I mean, she always says that to me. So, <laughs> uh, but anyway, no, the, um, the, the idea of it just being done, you can always go back to it. It's a complete thing. You've captured a moment in time mm-hmm. and you can move on. Um, I'm going to pause right there because I, I, I read something or, Courtney showed me like this meme or something that was just really cool. I got to have her on the show, by the you, way. You really do. Yeah. Um, Courtney, hit me up. Right? I'll hit you up. Um, but I love this concept. So would you say that a painting like decorates space? You put a painting, put it on the wall. It decorates that space, right? Yeah, I would say that. Okay. Music decorates time. Hmm. Since then, I've been like almost obsessed with that thought. Like so much so that I have a Google Home with smart lights and stuff. And yeah, you know, it just I, it actually kind of hit me because, yeah, right? because like when you're like, it's again, I, I listen to things 90% of the time when you're cleaning, when you're doing the dishes. Mm-hmm. That's that's time right there. It's like, and it, music it feels is good. Yeah. Because if you don't listen to anything and you're cleaning, it's like, ugh. 
right? When you're listening to something. It's like looking at an empty wall versus looking at a wall that's painted nicely. You got some And your brain is always yeah. working, is always painting. Or it's got some paintings you can look at or whatever. It looks nice. Like it's decorating that space. Music decorates time. We gotta get you a philosopher. No, I can't claim that that was an original thought. It definitely was not. It definitely was not original. (laughs) Courtney showed me like a little meme or something that she found somewhere else. So I'm not claiming that is my thought. I'm just claiming that I'm now obsessed with that thought. So much so that like my smart lights in my studio, I, I made like a little automated command that I say, Hey Google, let's decorate time. And then that's when it changes my lights like purple, like it opens up my nice. floor lights, that kind of stuff too. Like I gotta get you to the studio sometime. It's a lot in there. Yeah. Um I love to come. But uh yeah. I never I, knew, especially sorry, I never knew you were in Woodstock close by. Yeah, dude. Like, I'm like I thought you were still in Atlanta or something. Nah. Or, like Marietta. We're like twenty minutes away from you. Yeah, when you told me twenty minutes away, I was yeah. like <laughs> nice. Yeah. I live right next to Juan, basically. Not, he, oh, okay. I know where he is at. My okay. driveway to his driveway is seven minutes. That's awesome. I leave my driveway. I pull into his driveway. Seven minutes. That's awesome. It takes me longer to drive to my neighborhood in, into his neighborhood than it does to I got to have him on the, the show. Actual road. Yeah, you do. John, uh, Juan. I said John. To John. <laughs> the Hispanic name of it, Juan. Juan. I got to yeah. have him on the show. <laughs> you should. Yeah. He just had a baby, you know. Nuh-uh. Yeah, dude. God, he's super secretive. He's not though. He posted it on the on the Discord. I don't get notifications for some weird reason. Well, then you're the one who sucks because he <laughs> definitely posted it on on the Discord. Ooh, yeah, it's up to you then. Now I'm explaining. Most people don't respond to the Discord. It's literally just me, Juan, no, I'll and be honest, Eric. Now I'm, I'm. I mean, I'm still a little bit bad at responding sometimes, but I will always respond. I haven't gotten notifications. My phone mm. literally never thing notifications yeah. well he had a daughter uh she was born uh, in december oh wow yeah december 29th i believe nice i believe that's birthday well i gotta have yeah. him on the show yeah dude um anyway so um i'll wrap up the thought then we move on to something else but the uh the album purging was me just wanting to get those songs done mm-hmm. and then delete the rest like i didn't care if that album got a million subscribers or a million streams or whatever and i got a bunch of uh follows and subscribers from it i didn't care i just wanted it to be done yeah um and sometimes i hate the album because i'm like there's so many things i would change about it now uh, I, I with bet. mixing like, wise yeah like i can make it sound louder more punchy now i can make it sound like more energetic i'm just saying this again unbiased mm-hmm. it's fucking dope <laughs> we'll fucking appreciate that dope, man. thank you uh like i but i feel i feel that i 100 feel the creative where you look back at something, but like, like oh, I, I could just done. go back and I clean this, this up. I, I could, yeah. I get it. I, when I edit this episode, it's going to hit me <laughs> all episodes. I've had that like, Oh, I should have done this. I should have done should've that. said that. Or I should have gone back to that topic. We had something there. We never wrapped that back up all the time. Yeah. So, but I get I that feeling, it. but I'm just letting you know from the consumer aspect of it. Dope. Well, appreciate that, man. Yeah. I'm definitely going to make more albums as Eddie C to be able to post that on Apple Music, Spotify, and stuff, but even if it's singles, man, like yeah, uh, like don't burden yourself with albums. I get it, I mm-hmm. totally do. But like, even if it's single, like you have this one beat in your head, and you're like, man, I I, I need to make just this one thing. Do it, man. Yeah, like because again, like with a uh, uh, life. Oh my god, that that one's great. And 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 mm-hmm. and to to be fair, like when I was uh, dating my ex at the time, uh, her and I listened to it, 
And at first we didn't like it kind of like we didn't hate it. We we liked it, but mm-hmm. there was that one buzzing noise mm-hmm. that it's it's a but it's a musical thing. It's mm-hmm. not a mistake thing. It's a musical thing. We didn't like it at first. Mm-hmm. But then it grew over time. Mm-hmm. And then I was like I was actually looking forward to that beat. Hey. Right? So I was listening to it and I was like, yeah. And, and <laughs> people listen to it. I can't, I can't recommend it enough. It's, it's, it's good. And I, I like, I love it when my friends create something too, because I do want to support it. And also because not only like, I want to support it, but when it's good, it's good. Mm-hmm. And it just feels good knowing I know this guy that made yes, this and, appreciate and that. all that stuff. Like, because yes, I love Lincoln Park and I'll always be loyal to them. But like, you know, I can't go up to like Mike Shinoda or the other bandmates and be like, man, dude, this one song, like awesome. And they tell me their insights of it. Maybe one day, who knows? Oh my God, I can only pray. <laughs> but like with you, I can talk to you about your yeah. music and what went on in your thoughts. And it makes me appreciate it mm-hmm. that much more. What's funny about that song, Life is Quantized, is I actually came up with that title with Steven. Really? Yeah. I, th- I don't know why. I thought of Interstellar. Like, I'm not sure if Steven will even remember this or if he's going to even listen to this episode this far in. But there was a time when he when he and I were in his room and I made that melody. And then I nudged those notes to be on the grid by using what's called quantizing. Mm. So when you quantize something, you move the notes onto the grid. So like all digital audio, um, DAWs, whatever, um, digital audio workstations. So like Ableton, GarageBand, Free Loops, yeah. uh, Pro Tools. They have uh, a feature that's called quantizing where you can uh, like essentially shift notes onto the grid. So you can record something if you're playing with like MIDI or something. Um, and then you quantize it by a certain amount and then it moves to the grid. Just so everything that you've just played, even though it wasn't a perfect take, in just one click, it can snap to the grid and be like perfectly on the grid, right? Yeah. And so, like, see, when I explained that to him, Stephen was like, yeah, that's a funny word. Yeah, quantize. Yeah, quantize. Yeah, it's a quantize. Yeah, quantize. And like, we just kept saying that for way too long, like hours, maybe. Yeah. Like, his brothers would come by and, and, and they'd say, What are you guys doing? Yeah, quantizing. <laughs> and it, it always just stuck with me and so i i named that that session quantized just because it was funny yeah but i'd always liked that melody and i always wanted to go back to it um and the idea about life is quantized i'm not saying my song is very deep because it's not it's just like a fun edm melody type thing mm-hmm. but i always liked that title because it shows that you're always trying to make your life too regimented like in the grid and anything mm-hmm. that you try to do that's kind of out of the box, you're like almost reinforced to um, move it back. It's so like any thoughts you might have or things that are like, man, I, I just want to go travel. It's like, that's not a typical routine. So you kind of just go back to your regular thought of, nah, I, I, I got to get ready for work for Monday. I got to do this. So like your life is very regimented. Mm-hmm. So even though, like I said, the song isn't very deep, it's just an EDM beat. Um, I always like that title, Life is Quantized. And so uh, it's one of my favorite songs just because of the title. Yeah. Even though I wouldn't say it, – it's not one of the ones that I go back and listen to. Um, Purging is definitely one of the ones that I go back and listen to now. Um, I listened to that before you came in. <laughs> when you sent me the three, which were good. Yeah. Then immediately I was like, Purging. There you go. Then you Life go. is Quantized. <laughs> but uh, Purging, I'm just – I love that one. I go back and forth which one's better, that one or life. But mm-hmm. 
It's definitely purging. Well, I got life is quantized uh, when you know when I was around with Steven. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Um, well, that was the first song I ever finished. Yeah, and so that's why I released it as a I single. Remember you being, I remember that text. You were being, you were so super happy. I remember where I was. I was in the parking lot of Chick Fil A, mm-hmm. and you text a bunch of people about it. Yeah, and then I immediately downloaded it. First song I ever yeah. finished. I didn't even care if it was good or not. It was done. Yeah, and it's not like it's not the most. So if you were to listen to it back to back with another EDM song, you could tell it's a little quieter. Maybe the drums don't hit as hard or whatever. There you go. You don't even care. That might just be something that I noticed. Most people may not even notice that at all. I don't compare. I'm just like, no, I love it. I listen to it as an individual. At the end of the day, though, that song is still like a very similar volume to the other songs, right? Yeah. So like you could put it on a playlist and it could go between the songs and it, and it, it would work. Um, and that was the hardest thing was how do I get this song to be sonically loud and punchy and energetic to where it's obviously not an amateur making it. Yeah. Um, and that was the hardest thing about that song, but I learned more from putting those songs on Spotify than I did making music for 10 years. Yeah. Because the things you have to do to make a song like good enough to post is very different than just writing a melody. Nice. That's p- fucking powerful. <laughs> uh, so we got like, uh, 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 I just want to let you know, we got 20 minutes left uh, okay. of the show. Like, is I know you brought some things that you wanted to talk about, so I wanted to give you the floor if you wanted to. So I have a fun fact for you about Dragon Ball. Ooh, yes. Okay. Um, who would you say is your favorite fusion character? Like, Gotenks, Gogeta, Vegito. Who's your favorite fusion character? Uh, I think it's definitely Gotenks. Uh, okay. Like I know a lot of people might pick him because he he definitely has the most screen time uh, out of the other ones. But I love Gotenks because to me, um, like I like real quick, like nerdy. Mm-hmm. If I were to go back or go back, if I were to have <laughs> now, <laughs> play the, if, yep, do, back when I was a Saiyan, right? Uh, if I were, uh, if I were to have like powers, like people always say, like, oh, that they, they either be like the super serious types or the super goofy types. I think I would be a mixture of both, where uh, like almost kind of like Deadpool, where mm-hmm. you know you're great and you don't take life seriously because mm-hmm. you know you're great. Mm-hmm. And then, but when things get serious, you kind of have to get serious. Gotenks get serious very little, but mm-hmm. like he knows he's super powerful, mm-hmm. especially at an early age. Cause he's made of two kids. Sure. Yeah. And yeah. Stuff. So he plays with his opponents. Like he knows he's super powerful that like, almost like he thinks he's immortal. Mm-hmm. So I kind of like that cockiness. Sure. Yeah. Kind of like with Vegeta, except Vegeta's like, more serious like he mm-hmm. he doesn't want to toy with his opponent like goku does mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but he still wants a challenge yeah but he's more serious so out of the fusion yeah go tanks what if i told you that there's only one fusion character that's ever actually won a battle it's gogeta gogeta is the only one who's ever actually with won janemba he won with janemba yeah. but also super saiyan 4 gogeta beat shenron also, Gogeta oh. Blue beat Broly. Oh, that's right. That's right? right. 
he's the only one that's ever actually won a battle. Yeah, because Gotenks Gotenks lost to Majin Buu. Yeah. Vegito also lost lost to Super Buu. Vegito also lost to Zamasu. They split up. And then Zamasu became fused after that. I don't remember that one. In Dragon Ball Super? Vegito? Vegito fought against against, uh, uh, Goku Black and Zamasu. So... Zamasu and oh Goku Black I'm, fused together. Right? I remember that, but I'm like forgetting Vegito in that. Because he was only there for an episode. I gotta because, go back and watch. Because he lost, like after one episode. Dang. Yeah. So, so Gogeta superior. Very much so. <laughs> Not only that, whenever Gogeta has screen time, he wins. That's true. That's true. Even in like the um the alternate like Dragon Ball Heroes that's on YouTube or whatever, like mm-hmm. it's not canon. It's like like just uh it's it's promoting a like an arcade game with playing cards and stuff. Yeah. But you can actually find episodes of Dragon Ball Heroes. It's like Dragon Ball Super like animation style, mm-hmm. but it's like super short episodes. I mean they're like like 7 8 minutes long. Yeah. But it's really cool. Like it's its own story arc. You can see um Super Saiyan 4 Goku fighting with Super Saiyan Blue Goku for like oh, a wow. second and then they team up. And you see Super Saiyan 4 Vegito fighting against somebody else, which, spoiler alert, he lost. Ha, because he's Vegito. He's not Gogeta. Um, and then Goku had to come in as Ultra Instinct and win. Anyway, Dragon Ball Heroes is not like a real thing, but you can find it on YouTube and it's like fun to watch. Yeah. But all the fusion characters lose except for Gogeta. Huh. <laughs> well, I'm still going to keep my answer to Gotenks because I'm going to relate with I my I just thought it was a really fun fact. Like That it, is a fun fact. It kind of blew my mind when I saw that. I'm like, wait a second. You're Gogeta right. is the only one that's ever won. Actually won a battle. Huh. That's that's a fun fact. That is. Even though his time limit is only 30 minutes and, he, and they split up. Yeah. Um. But don't yeah. you fun like like on a side note? Don't you love it how like in anime they like speed up thirty minutes and stuff, or they like, make it super slow, like five minutes against Frieza was yeah. like hundred episodes. Like I remember uh, uh, in the new newest movie with uh, Broly mm-hmm. and stuff, and Piccolo is all like, "Oh, thirty minutes, an hour, again, again, <laughs> and stuff." And I'm just like, "Yo, Broly's gonna like destroy the world." That and- meant Frieza was able to hold his own for an hour. He yeah. got his ass beat like, for an hour, <laughs> more than an hour, because they had to do it like at least two or three times before yeah. they got it right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, I think it's like a thirty minute and then a thirty minute rest. So like, at least three hours. Mm-hmm. So that's I love how anime does that. Right. Like, oh, also, shout out to Frieza like, to be able to hold his own against Broly for like a couple hours and not Frieza. die. It's still <laughs> yeah. Um, but that was the one Dragon Ball fact. That oh, I wanted wait, to get. wait. What's up? I'm going to get serious here. Oh, OK. I got a bone to pick with you. Oh, OK. OK. Tenet. What about it? You, I remember you said Tenet is like your top five favorite movies. Still is. Dude, that movie's trash. How many times have you seen it? Dude, I seen that movie once and I'm only going to no. see it once. Dude, no, no Tenet's trash, man. We're going to get serious here. Tenet's trash. What? Tenet's trash. Man, I saw that movie. I'm like, what? What? Dude, like... <laughs> Christopher Nolan, I'm not saying, like, listen, I'm still going to watch your other movies, whatever, but what? What didn't you like about it? Dude, okay, like, 
it's okay. Like, I'm not saying that things are not okay. Like, convoluted things are not okay. No, I like convoluted things because, like, one, it makes me feel smart and I'm a dumbass. <laughs> but two, like, I, I like convoluted things because they're creative. Okay. Because it is an, it's a one step to originality. Mm-hmm. But... Like Inception, like I did have to watch Inception twice to kind of understand it, but I still enjoyed both watches and stuff. Okay. But Tenet was boring, man. I was like, yo, like I turned my smart brain on. I was like, all right, I'm I'm ready for this. And then I remember Mike texted me before watching the movie. Like he was kind of criticizing it, but I wasn't. Uh, He was like, Dude, the main character, his name is actually protagonist. Like he he doesn't actually have a name. And I was like, mm-hmm. well, that's not a bad thing. Like l- l- let's just watch the movie. Like mm-hmm. whatever, dude. That movie, like all right, not a knock <laughs> to you, but I, I just gotta say it because this is what I actually said. I was like, this movie is pretentious as fuck because one, <laughs> I hated this scene with the protagonist because mm-hmm. like this movie felt like it wanted to be super smart. For no freaking reason. <laughs> there was this one scene with the protagonist and the uh, a woman. Yeah. And and then she's like, uh, tomorrow I'm here, but yesterday I'm not. And the protagonist is like, yeah, but yesterday I was there. And then tomorrow I'm here. Today I'm over there. And I'm like, <laughs> what the, what did you guys, what did you just say? Like, I, I felt like this movie wanted to be smart for its own good. The fight scene, like, I'm not going to lie, like... I feel because I like watching the behind the scenes. I don't I haven't seen the behind the scenes of this mm-hmm. movie. I feel like the behind the scenes story of the movie would be cool. And that can be a movie of itself. Mm-hmm. But the fight scene itself, I I, I thought was hey, lame. I will say Tenet has too much exhibition where they rely on conversation to make you understand. I think that's a huge problem in cinema. There's like the whole thing you should show and not tell. Mm-hmm. And that movie does tell too much. But Tenet is definitely one of those movies where you have to watch more than once to get it, for sure. Like you have to watch it a couple times. I can see what you mean about it being pretentious in some areas where it thinks it's trying to be smarter than it actually is. But here's why I like it. And I think I, if I can convince you to at least watch it again, then I've you done can, my job. You can probably convince me to watch it again. Okay, if I can convince you to at least watch it two more times, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> two more times, stretch. Here, here's what I like about it, honestly. To me, it's the most unique take of time travel I'd ever seen. It's not some time machine where you put yourself back in time and stuff like that where you need a device to do that. They've figured out how to change the reverse time well how to change the entropy of that device or that piece of matter to where instead of it decaying it okay in light of not trying to sound too smart or too pretentious it goes back in time that way it like it reverses itself yeah so you can take an object give it this radiation thing and then it instead of decaying organically it travels backwards in time that object And so they figured out how to do it with people too. And so I loved the idea where if you notice when people are reversing, they're not getting younger, they're still getting older, but whatever the science is that they decided to explain, like I said, they've probably explained too much versus showing us. I just thought it was the coolest thing to see objects go back in time. And then you can see how time travel would have worked if you were just in reverse. 
versus physically traveling back to a different point and starting from that point and moving forward. So that's why I liked it. I love time travel shit and I love sci-fi stuff. I, I do too. It was just a really cool take on what if an object was going in reverse and what if you could also go in reverse? What would that look like and how can you strategically use that to your advantage? Yeah. And to me, that was so cool. I just think the movie was trying to be like, it, this is honestly what I felt like. I felt that this movie was for those who made it and those who wrote it like those who were on like still on the scratch board of it all because like uh if you're watching the movie this like honestly despite how i feel about it it felt hollow when scenes with like like uh the fight scene with uh uh, uh denzel washington's son i forget his mm-hmm. name but i feel bad but like the uh, airport fight scene where he's fighting himself in reverse yeah and all Spoiler. that stuff, and then like, oh, that was actually uh, Robert Pan, uh, uh, Robert Pattinson, and like, and then the boat, the yacht scene of like jumping in the waters, like, oh, that was actually her, and all that stuff. Well, you know that he was fighting himself, though. Yeah, yeah. No, I've like, seen the movie. Okay, yeah. Like, and and it's funny because uh, Mike, Zach, and I watched it. Zach fell asleep like halfway through the movie. Mike <laughs> and I, we watched it in its entirety, and we try to talk about it, and I was just like. I didn't give a trash rating then. I was just like, dude, I got to think about this. Like, I but. See, I was the other way around. I texted my buddy Reggie and I was like, dude. And he was like, dude. And we FaceTimed and we texted each other constantly about yeah. that movie. And then we saw it twice again and we kept texting each other about it. I just like I, I just thought like it, it wanted to be clever for its own good. I see. I think Inception was honestly like a, a lot of people hated it. Uh, uh, But Inception was great because they world build. They, they the, for the majority of the movie, but they didn't stop the world building. They they world built so you mm-hmm. understood the rules. But then once they started the actual heist, mm-hmm. that was it. No more world building. Now they know. Yeah. Uh, and then they revealed the twist, but it was just the twist. But they did a good job of world building, world building, world building. Now the heist instead of mm-hmm. world building. Now the heist, world building, then the heist, world building, then the heist. Because mm-hmm. they're adding layers of rules into this universe. It's with Tenet. I never thought like uh, that the rules stopped. Uh, I remember the the scene where like the woman was explaining to uh, 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 the protagonist, mm-hmm. like uh, with the the rock. Yeah, and, the rock and the bullet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and. That rule never applied anywhere else into the movie, and I was just like, "Dude, then what's the point of this?" And and then like, what do you mean though? It it totally did. That rock slab that they got was from the final battle that happened at the end of the movie. No, then that rock slab it came from that fight scene. Okay, then I just see and and. So, okay, so here's why I think I enjoyed the movie so much more. Wait, let me pause real quick. Okay. Let me just add this one thing. I will say, like, maybe unfairly, I I really don't like when movies do the whole ending thing and then go, like, uh, like scratch record. Oh, this is me. I wonder where uh, – I bet you're wondering how I get in this situation. <laughs> I really hate that. Yeah. I think it's all stupid, but anyways, go on. Okay. So they kind of <laughs> do that, but in a serious light. So – um. I think I enjoyed the movie so much more because I immediately talked to my buddy Reggie about it. Mm -hmm. And I also watched like YouTube videos explaining it too. So then I was ready for my second viewing, knowing it a bit better. The one thing I will say that Inception did better is they showed you more and they explained it better than Tenet. 
Tenet relied on conversation to explain what's happening more so than just showing you what happens. And that's the biggest problem with Tenet. I think it was very dialogue heavy. I will say, I think Tenet was not so great because of the time it was produced. It was around the time of COVID, not to give an excuse or whatever, but they had to film in certain areas and they had to have certain dialogue and the music was composed over site. Like, or like, um, so uh, the composer, uh, Ludwig Gorenson, he's mm-hmm. my favorite composer right now, by the way. He nice. also d- did The Mandalorian, nice. Book of Boba Fett, Black Panther. So he's the one who also did Tenet. Um, most composers will work with the studio and the, or with the director and they'll also record some live orchestra and stuff like that. But he actually did it virtually because of what was going on during the times, right? So I think personally, Tenet might have been a bit rushed or they might have settled for certain scenes being just dialogue instead of showing you like they did in Inception. Because in Inception, they explained the heist and they did a lot more world building in the dream. Mm-hmm. So Tenet, they had to rely on the world building through dialogue. And um, you always fail when you're trying to explain a very deep concept through dialogue. Like if you rely on dialogue to progress the plot, people are not going to like the movie because they have to understand what you just said. Mm-hmm. And you're always going to miss some people with that. So I think I agree with you in a sense that Tenet could be really boring if you didn't keep up with the dialogue or just didn't like the way that it was delivered. I can totally see that. I think it was very dialogue heavy. And I think the reason I enjoyed it so much is because I texted you by the time I watched it a second time. And I had already talked about it with Reggie. I'd watched several YouTube videos. I'd already gotten my idea around and then I watched it again. So it's like, it was almost a movie that you had to interpret it yourself and then rewatch it and almost make the puzzle, make the film work for you. I definitely saw some YouTube videos explaining some things. I I'm open to watching it again. I'm just not going to go super out of my way, but I'm definitely open to watching it again. That rock slab and that bullet that came from the wall is from the final battle at the end. Those bullets came from the team in the final battle. That rock slab came from that area, that battle. Okay. But because that piece of material or the bullet sorry, was um reversed in time, you saw it at the beginning of the movie because it's traveling backwards. Mm-hmm. So that's what I love about the movie is there's so many things that like if you were to map out the entire movie from like a nice overview, there's very little if zero plot holes. Which is another reason I really like the movie is because you might pick apart certain things you didn't like, but it's really difficult to find a plot hole in that movie. Mm. And that's something that I can appreciate is that if you took the time to explain everything and seal every little plot hole, I enjoy it that much more already for that exact reason. Um, It's a very consistent movie, but I think the delivery could have lacked in that it relied too much on conversation. Yeah. But to me, it's still like one of the most unique takes on time travel. And how, I, how I do love you feel it about the protagonists? Like, did they? Because again, like I, I, I remember being open to, oh, he's the protagonist. Like, maybe well, they have a reason. Do you have? Do, do you yeah. Know? The reason why he doesn't have a name is because his character already he was like a CIA operative type mm-hmm. person. He was supposed to be a ghost anyway. 
And then when he became part of the Tenet operation, which you find out at the end of the movie, if you haven't seen it yet, spoiler, he is the person who has also started the whole Tenet operation anyway. He's supposed to be even more invisible, even more of a ghost. Because people aren't supposed to know the people that are operating behind the scenes in Tenet anyway. So you already started out with him being a character that was supposed to be a special agent, a special ops, like a ghost type person anyway. And then he dies, but not really. Hence why he is kind of almost reborn, not actually supernaturally, but his character is almost like, yeah, you're already dead now. So he's already started out as like a special ops, black ops type character. And then he became an even more in the background type person fighting some secret war and the whole tenant operation that he became a part of, which you later find out that he actually started. Um, he's not supposed to have a name because he's supposed to be invisible. He's yeah. not, he's supposed to be forgettable to everybody. That's why he doesn't have, if, if you already call him protagonist, then you don't care about who his backstory is because you're not supposed to. You're supposed to just care about what he does. Mm. And that's why, like, Michael Caine's character, who was he? It doesn't matter. Yeah, I totally forgot. It doesn't matter. Um, What's cool about this movie, though, is that it gives you the idea to think about. A lot of people think that um, Tom Hardy's character. I'm sorry, that. uh, I was about to say, he's in the movie. I'm sorry, sorry. Robert Pattinson? Yeah, I'm thinking about Inception. No, no. Michael Caine's character is, do you remember at the very end of the movie, there were, it was Robert Pattinson, other protagonist, and then the dude from Kick-Ass, who, like the old superhero movie Kick-Ass? Yeah. That was that actor just grown up. I bet you just made that connection. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, yeah, yeah. yeah, the, the so, military dude. Yeah, yeah. The military guy. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's Ives. No, no, I'm thinking about Inception as well. Anyway, totally a lot of people think that that guy is Michael Caine's character. But it wasn't explicitly laid out for you, so mm-hmm. it's cool to imagine different situations. But the the most common fan theory is that that character, because of Tenet, when you invert yourself and you go back in time, you're still aging. He's inverted himself so many times that by the time he actually met with the protagonist again, he was older. So like uh, Robert Pattinson's character, where he's like, I've known you for so long, but I'm going to meet you for the first time in 10 years. I feel like this movie is telling me to go home and do some homework. And I'm just not about that. Life. <laughs> no, that's okay though. It, it's, it's not a movie for everybody. It's like, and also it was, it wasn't delivered in a way that everybody can understand it. Yeah. But like, if you take almost like an overview of the movie and see, Oh, this character was in the beginning of the movie. But really, he was at the end of the movie and then went back to the beginning because of inverting himself. It becomes a different movie altogether. I will and that's why this, I love it so much. I definitely, 100%, without a shadow of a doubt, enjoyed it way more than the newest Matrix movie. Oh, my God. Did you see it? I told you not to watch it. And <sighs> I know you, you, you said, like, oh, I still have to. I like, wish I had not seen 
Matrix Four. Dude, I had to watch the uh, original trilogy just to get that bad taste out of my. Okay, mouth. see, I actually watched the original trilogy, so I introduced Tori to the original trilogy mm-hmm. so that we could all watch the fourth movie together because yeah. I was well, around. That's good, just so she can under yeah like really understand the hate. Well, I, I was I around her age when I saw the Matrix for the first time with my dad. Yeah. So the Matrix One, I will say, is my favorite all-time movie, like That's favorite movie of favorite, all time. That's yes. my number one. My number two is Interstellar, and then everything else kind of changes depending on 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 my. On a side note, I know I talked about this before. Have you seen Whiplash? I know I recommended it. To I you. haven't. No. Okay. Before we leave, I gotta let you borrow it. Okay, Whiplash. Okay. Definitely. Anyway, but Continue. my number one movie of all time is The Matrix One. Really? Yes, because I'm so I was. Proud to hear you say that. <laughs> I, I was around maybe 11 or 12 when I saw it for the first time with my dad. He you bought know it that's on... my favorite trilogy, not the Dark Knight trilogy. People it's your favorite so... trilogy? Yep, 100%. I love the Dark Knight trilogy, don't get me wrong, but it's the Matrix trilogy. My favorite trilogy is actually the Jason Bourne trilogy. You told me about this. Yeah, and I was but I, it's it's weird because I don't think they are better movies. Yeah, by any means. But it's just your favorite trilogy it, as a whole. As a like whole, the universe one of through that. three. Yes, it's my favorite trilogy. Yes. but objectively, I don't think any of those movies are better than most other trilogies. I feel you. But I do love the Matrix trilogy in that Matrix One was so breathtaking. It was the first movie that really made me think. Mm-hmm. It was also the fact that my dad saw it in theaters in 1999 and he bought it on DVD in 2000 and 2001 or whatever. Um, and I got to see it with him. So I have all those memories of my dad with him yeah. with this movie too. Yeah. So it's my favorite movie of all time. Two and three are fun. I can accept the fact that they're not great. There's even some scenes that annoy me too, even watching it now, but I still love them for what they are. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, two ma- real quick. Two is my favorite movie. Like out of the Matrix, it goes two, one, three. You like uh, two better than one? Yes, really. Simply because I love the architect scene. That's honestly like my top favorite scenes of all times of all movies. Mm-hmm. Is just Neil and the architect. That's love so funny because that fucking scene. You wanted to talk about Tenet being pretentious. The architect scene is one of the most pretentious scenes of but all time. It's so simple. It's, it's not so though. Freaking simple. It is, like, but it isn't. His vocabulary and the oh, words I that love he that uses. Dialogue. If I can write like that, I oh. I okay, love it. if you were to like look up that dialogue and read it out loud oh, to somebody it. else, oh, I did. I love it. You did. You look. <laughs> I love it. Well, I I didn't read it out loud to anybody else. I read it indubitably, but I love it. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I guess because I'm a dumbass, but I I just it makes so you feel smart. Who talks some super smart? I'm like, fuck, I want to write. I want to create that. See, like, Tenet makes me feel smart because I understand the overview of the whole movie. Yeah, beginning I feel to end. that. It's so f- okay. You know what? How about this? Try to watch Tenet from the lens of the architect. Mm. Think about it. Like, if you're watching the architect. He knows this is the sixth iteration of the Matrix. He's seen it come and go. He's seen how things go. It's not That's actually good. Yeah. It's not real to him. He's the designer of the Matrix. He sees what nat- what Neo is going to do or not do. He still gets surprised by some things in his choice to go after Trinity. But overall, the big choices he already knows. Yes. Hmm. That is the same thing in Tenet, except you're following the protagonist on his journey before he knows what's actually going to happen. It's almost like watching the architect design the first matrix. 
Okay, you 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 actually inspired me to watch. Tyler so I do like the architect scene, but some of his vocabulary is just so easy to make fun of. Mm. <laughs> I'm, not gonna, I'm not gonna defend that. I just love that. Yeah, I also so I watched something interesting. Uh, there's a YouTube channel called Quinn's Ideas, mm-hmm. which if anybody's trying to get into some sci-fi stuff, it he he breaks down things so well. But he just watched the Matrix trilogy for the first time like leading up to Matrix 4. So it was interesting to see somebody watch it, 1, 2, and 3, for the first time in 2021. Yeah. Without nostalgia. Yeah. To cloud your judgment, you know? Yeah. And it was interesting because he actually said the architect scene was one of his favorite scenes in the second movie too because from a sci-fi point of view, that's one of the most sci-fi things about the second movie. Um, He brought up an interesting point. The Matrix 2 and 3 came out around the same time as Lord of the Rings. Oh, I thought you were going to say the same time. Because uh, well, uh, 3 well, came out literally like that same a year, months. Like six months later. Yeah. Well, like, so those two movies came out around the same time as like Lord of the Rings, mm. where there were already movie trilogies with big battle scenes. Yeah. So 2 and 3 probably had to like go up against Lord of the Rings, Two Towers, and Return of the King. So they were like, hey, we want a big epic battle. Wachowski brothers, give us a big epic battle in this movie or try to give us something to compete against Lord of the Rings or these other big like Hollywood type movies. So the first Matrix, we can all agree, was not meant to have a sequel. Yeah. It was just a standalone movie. Yeah. Two and three, I feel like were kind of subject to Hollywood at the time. Like, they were influenced by what was big at the time of Hollywood. I can agree. It sucks whenever you have a movie that is impacted by the time and not timeless. Yeah, same That's like, why the Star Wars sequel trilogy sucks so hard. And, I think. And, and, and then it's also the trend, like, uh, a couple of years ago with zombies and stuff. There was a lot of zombies movies yeah. coming out. And nobody was making the zombie movie for the passion of it. Mm-hmm. It was simply like, oh, hey, zombies are trending right now. Yeah. Same with vampires, too, at the mm-hmm. time. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I, I agree. And, and that's what I think people are upset about with the second and third Matrix movies. They were definitely a subject of the time versus like a timeless movie like the first Matrix movie. Here's my quick defense on two, though. Like, I'm not Oh, no, defend- I still love it. Yeah. I love two and three. It, Don't get my, me wrong. My quick defense on two, though, is that like... Uh, the Wachowski brothers, for the first movie, they try to get Will Smith. Uh, right. To be yeah. And the reason why one of the reasons why Will Smith didn't want to do it was because and and Will Smith openly talked about it was the Wachowski brothers wanted to be innovative. They 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 wanted to be revolutionary. So they designed the 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 tri- it, the Matrix. Honestly, was inspired because of the uh, the first scene with the Trinity kick. Mm-hmm. That was it. Because they designed a rig, like the bullet time rig, and everything. Yeah. yeah, they designed the rig of the Trinity kick in the in literally in the first scene mm-hmm. of her doing the crane kick. Yep, they designed the rig the three sixty, and they were super proud of it. Mm-hmm. And they, now they wanted to make a movie all about bullet time. Yeah, and they tried to recruit Will Smith for it, and Will Smith was like, "Oh, I think you're being like." too revolutionary like i don't think that's gonna work Mm -hmm. but then it worked Mm -hmm. and then they just used that to springboard on the second movie uh uh, i.e the the cgi fight scenes yeah yeah. they wanted to be able to do that fight scene with 
the actual actors, but mm-hmm. they couldn't. But then they're like, "Hey, let's use CGI." Like it, it like so. We're talking about the Agent Smith fight scene where he mm-hmm. fights like a hundred of them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So I like a lot of people like knock it and all that stuff. I like it, me personally, because I may it's one going back to it. I'm able to turn off my brain, yeah, creativeness, and I just see. I have a big imagination, so I see what you were trying to do, mm-hmm. and I appreciate it that much more. Uh, see, that's what Tenet is like for me. Okay. I see what he's trying to do, and even though he might not have delivered it the best way because of relying on too much dialogue, yeah. I can see what he wanted this movie to be. It was like, how can you make a unique take on time travel by inverting an object and potentially inverting yourself? And how can you use that as a strategy to influence things? Yeah. So. All right. Well, we come to the end of the show. Eddie, I can't <laughs> thank you enough. Again, my last day zero to be on the show. Uh, real quick, before we go, like, where, like, I know you're not a social media guy, <laughs> but, like, that's the part of the music and stuff. Dude, yeah. Like, you know, you, you still got to plug it in. So, like, sure. where can people get your music? And all that. So if you, you if you search for the artist Eddie C, where it's E D D, then the number one, and then E C. Again, it's supposed to be all like one name, kind of like Dead Mouse. I completely stole it from Dead Mouse. Just tried to make it on my own. E D D number one E C. I'm gonna plug it in. There you go, yeah. Eddie C. Um, that's where you can find me on Spotify, um, Apple Music, Amazon Music. Apparently, all, all the streaming platforms. Also, my Twitter and Instagram are those two. I'm not a big social media person, but if you DM me or ask me about music stuff, I can nerd out about music production. I can also nerd out about Dragon Ball, which I was sad we didn't talk more about, but that's okay. There's always next episode. There's always next episode. There's we can have an entire Dragon Ball episode. I don't give a fuck. I, I, I will say uh, with uh, 2022, I am going to hit up people that I've already interviewed for their second one because their second episode, I've already interviewed some people for the second time. Yeah. The second time goes so much better. Oh, I but bet. <laughs> even though I enjoyed this, this was yeah. great. Like the second time and onward, it's going to be so much better. Hell yeah, me. man. But yeah. we got to get the first out of the way. Sure. Yeah. At Eddie C, E-D-D-1-E-C. That's my Twitter, Instagram. Um, I don't have a YouTube channel. Um, my music is on YouTube, but you have to at least release three original YouTube created videos to get your own YouTube channel. Oh really? I yeah, and I'm just not trying to do that. I I, I, I thought about it. making music videos for my songs, like with Steven. Like we talked about it for a little bit. I originally wanted to make at least three music videos for my songs on Purging to at least have my own YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. There's uh, I was just, I, I don't I don't blame you because there's so much that goes into making a music. Well, also, video. COVID happened because I released my album December 2019. Yeah, and then lockdown was like March 2020. Yep. Exactly. And I haven't really even seen Steven since then. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but anyway, at yeah, Eddie C. Eddie C. And I'll, I'll make sure to put it in the description and all that stuff. So, uh, Eddie, again, thank you so much. Oh, man. Dude. Dude, like, that's one thing I'm happy about this table. And you don't know the pain, but the other table was mm-hmm. super long. Like, oh, you had to, like, really reach for I it? I had to really reach <laughs> for it. So now it's, like, easier. Right oh, here. Yeah. God. It's right here. So, all right. Well, all right. Thanks, everybody, for listening and watching. Bye.